You've just entered another dimension. KUFO Portland. KUFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. the best idea. It's actually not even my idea. It's my wife's idea, so I'm going to give uh, credit where credit is due. The best thing you're going to hear all week, so I'll reveal that in just one second. But uh, I should say, first and foremost, welcome to this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of August in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503 228 4101, if you would uh, like to join us today, 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 520 520-51, or you can email uh, rick at rickemerson.com, rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at, I've fallen back into doing that thing again. You know? And what thing? And my email doesn't actually even work this morning. So mine doesn't work either. It worked, it worked for a while yesterday. So it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter what email address you're using. The odds are only like one in five it's going to get here anyway. Uh, Sarah at KUFO.com, Tim at KUFO.com, or Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, uh, KUFO.com. And again, you can text us if you like at 520 Five, one. Coming up later on the day, uh, we will talk to Pat Jankowitz, author of Just When He Thought It Was Safe to Go Back in the Water, a Jaws companion. We were supposed to talk to him yesterday, uh, but we'll actually be speaking with him in the 6 o'clock hour. 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will join us with another installment of Food Porn. At 7.20, it's a mystery guest, which I don't think we've done since we've been back from New York. I think the last it's mystery guest... Weeks. Was Joan Embry the last mystery guest we had? I think so, actually, yeah. And it's been almost a month, so All right, it's very exciting. So um, so this has to top that. Well, nothing can really top Joan Embry, or Fred Durst, for that matter. I mean, let's just speak honestly as men, Tim. There's there's no way that Fred Durst can be exceeded. All we can hope to do is match that at some point. Uh, so Mystery Guest is coming up at 7.20, and at 8 o'clock, tour of The Room, uh, writer, director, producer, and star of cult classic The Room, about which we'll talk more in a bit. Uh, uh, Tommy Wiseau. We've also got a pair of tickets to see Joe Rogan coming up later on today. Uh, he's going to be at the Aladdin Theater tomorrow because he's doing the UFC color commentating on Saturday. So we've got a pair of tickets to his stand-up show uh, that we'll be giving away today. That's for his show tomorrow. And uh, Inglorious Bastards passes as well. We've got a pair of tickets to see Inglorious Bastards. The soundtrack to that will come along with those. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. So just before I do anything else, I should say... I can't take credit for this. This is all. Uh, this is all Laura. This is all my wife's idea. So we're watching Anderson Cooper last night, and they're doing what seems to be this nightly tote board of what's in Michael Jackson's system today. And you think they would have figured it all out by now, but every time I tune on, they've just they've added something to the list. It's like they've just discovered a cache of drugs, like in his like in the bottom of his pancreas or something. And they again rolled out Dr. Drew, who was making that observation. He goes, uh, Anderson, what you need to know is this is enough to actually uh, put an elephant to sleep. And they, that's the thing they always use. Is the, the elephant, for some reason, has become the gold standard. Like, like Michael Jackson and Packy. Exactly. 
But it, they don't use. But it's not like they don't use like a chihuahua. They don't use an ostrich. They never use like a coelacanth. It's always an uh, you know an elephant. That's that is the unit of measurement by which they determine exactly how many drugs are in your body. So Lara had this idea of getting a zoologist to figure out like how many other animals would it be. In other words. The amount of drugs that Michael Jackson's body could put an elephant to sleep, but how many, um, you know, but, but like how many rhesus monkeys could it put to sleep? How many chinchillas could be put to sleep by the amount of uh, drugs in Michael Jackson's body? How many marmosets could be put to sleep by just the Ativan, let's say, in his system? It'd be like that thing when Stuff Magazine did the, um, they did the Baconometer a while back, which they would tell you exactly how fatty all your favorite foods were based upon how many strips of bacon they were equivalent to. So they say, like, this hot fudge sundae is the equivalent of 45 strips of bacon. So I want to know if you had, like, I don't know, if you had, like, a mallard duck, and then you had all the versed that was in Michael Jackson's system, exactly how many mallard ducks would be sedated by that? So I'm going to work on that later on in the program. The mallard duck weighs less than 10 pounds. Maybe Joan Embry can answer that for us. I'd say, like, Joan Embry, you know, if I had three milligrams of Ativan, and then on the other hand, I had, like a, like, a, you know, like a llama or an emu, like, how many of those could I sedate? So anyways, that's an idea I'm going to be working on sort of at slack moments uh, in today's show. Uh, finally today, we have our final pair of Nickelback tickets we're going to be giving away. That'll be at some point okay. during today's show. You want to be listening for the sound of Tim Riley uh, reciting Nickelback lyrics. When you hear those, uh, you be caller 10 at 503-228-4101. Good morning, Sarah Dillon. How are you? Good morning. I'm excited. It's Rex Manning Day. I mean... Tommy Wiseau Day. Rex Manning. Oh, is that the name of the character he plays in the room? No, no, no. Rex Manning is from Empire Records. Wait, who's Rex Manning in Empire Records? It's, you know, she's uh, Liv Tyler. It's the old, old dude that she's obsessed with, that she sleeps with. I don't want to break it to you, but I've seen Empire Records like once, and then I saw half of it again about three years later on HBO, and I think I... And I think I watched it for about nine or ten minutes, and then I left to, to go to Del Taco. Oh, and that was amazing. It. I love it. You know, I'm so excited for Tommy Wiseau Day. So, you know how... Um, I had to send him all of his questions in advance. He sent me back the answers to his questions. Does he this not understand go, the notion of a radio interview? I feel this is going to go poorly. <laughs> we should we should say, by the way, that we, if you if you have not seen the room, we'll talk a little bit more about it later. But it, uh, Nibble it, told me it was crap. I, yeah, but I mean that doesn't really a that doesn't crap? really sum it up. I yeah. that doesn't really it's do justice to it. I mean, it is bad. But to say that, I mean, look, the world's full of bad movies. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of, 90% of everything that comes out is terrible in one form or another. This really goes something beyond that. Uh, it's going to be at Cinema 21. Is it this Friday? Is it tomorrow that it, that it opens? Uh, yeah, it's going to be tomorrow, uh, 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. So tomorrow at Cinema 21, they're going to be showing this movie. Which it, so it became kind of a cult classic in Los Angeles just because it... Because it is, it's just unbelievably awful. I mean, sometimes you get a movie that is badly written. Sometimes you get a movie that is poorly acted. Sometimes you get a movie that has, uh, you know, like reprehensible set design or the production is misguided. This movie is sort of astounding in that all of those things happened at once. And then the guy, I think, out of his own pocket paid to have it uh, shown at theaters. And then he put up a huge billboard for it for a long time. And uh, David Cross from Arrested Development was one of the first people to see it and really recognize how truly tran transcendently bad the film was. And everybody seems to be aware that the movie is awful, except the guy who made it, who I think labors under the illusion that it's somehow brilliant. Also, he's got a wacky accent, so that'll be funny. Uh, he, won't, he won't tell anybody where he's from. Like, it, he didn't exist 
basically up until like ten years ago. Yeah, he's. I think I read some story that he's that he was uh, he's an Italian guy who was in the like he imported raincoats or something for a living, and then that's where he made his money. But we'll talk to him at eight o'clock at the news desk. It is your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone, from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 5.07 now. It's going to be partly sunny today. Highs in the low 90s. Showers coming in tomorrow, and it's going to cool us off just a bit for the weekend. The FBI needs your help in catching a bank robber who's been named the River Rat. That's a great name. He's knocked off six banks so far this month. That's this month. This is becoming an epidemic, this River Rat fellow. He always wears a hat, dark sunglasses, and a jacket. He's a white man. Two teenagers have been charged with consuming alcohol after one of them nearly drowned at Savi Island. 19-year-old Christopher Bowman had to be pulled from that green slime of water at the beach over there by bystanders. His other friend was arrested, too. This is the 20th anniversary of the Pioneer Square Starbucks. They've been serving all the gutter punks over there for 20 years now, and they're celebrating with free coffee at all Starbucks. In uh, southwest Washington, Oregon today, go to any Starbucks and get the uh, Starbucks Anniversary Blend. It's being served free from the opening this morning until 10.30. That's until 10.30. So there's, so there's coffee at Starbucks to celebrate... The Pioneer Courthouse Square 20th Anniversary. Is that the first... That's not the, is that the first one in Oregon I believe or it is the first one. All right. Because there's that there's that one in Seattle by you know Pipe Place Market or whatever that's mm-hmm. where they got the they still got the the strange you know the brown logo with the mermaid chick with the boobs mm-hmm. or whatever uh, so there's that which is actually that's not even the original one the original one I think was down the street it was like a block and a half away or something but it's it's subsequently been torn down so I think that one at Pipe Place Market Pipe Place hello Pipe Place Market in Seattle is the oldest one currently in existence but that must be the first one then in Oregon. Well, well, Seattle is always stealing business away from Portland, and it's happened again. Seattle has the honor of hosting the annual Bedbug Summit at the Western Hotel. This is the National Pest Management Association uh, yearly convention. Bedbugs have become a problem, they say, now that the EPA has banned DDT, which happened in the 1960s. It's not a revelation. They are blaming... The banning of DDT on the infestation of bed bugs, and they're going to try to do something about that. DDT, that stuff we sprayed on the Viet Cong? No, that, yeah. was, that was napalm. Yes, and Silent Spring, that came out during the first Kennedy minute, that was killing all the birds. That's Remember right. Remember that? DDT was the stuff, it was like, uh, it, it was the insecticide, or the stuff that would, it was that the stuff you would kind of put on your, uh, it was like Deep Woods Off or something? I remember seeing the newsreels when... Uh, when we won the war in Japan, they were spraying all the kids with that stuff. Right, they it went was, over there because we sprayed it. It was the thing we sprayed over the jungle to get rid of all the leaves, so the mm-hmm. uh, the Vietnam, the Viet Cong, or whoever could be could be more easily seen. But then they found out that it gave all your kids like three heads. Right, yeah, and it didn't help. We lost in Vietnam. Man. No, and then of course they replaced it. They did just as they do with everything. They took it off the market, replaced it with something that didn't work. Mm-hmm. So uh, now we're being savaged by bed bugs. By the way, when I was uh, in New York, I was riding the subway. I don't know if you all saw these, but they had these. Subway ads, you know, it's sort of like the the, the ads up along the uh, the. Did you just did you press the cough button when you just cleared your throat? Now, no, I shut the microphone off, Uh-oh. and and yet I heard it in my headphones. <laughs> oh no, here we go again, <laughs> and so it begins. Oh, uh, it's awesome. Let me just, uh, and it's only ten after the hour. Let me just pull back the curtain here for just one second. We uh, thought we fixed this. Well, I, not us. I typically don't sit and sort of complaining isn't even the right word. I typically don't. You never complain. I typically don't go on and on about whatever technical problems may be happening behind the scenes unless they become like a real big deal. But the last couple of days, we've had this issue where even when the microphone, and I know this sounds insane, but even when the microphones are turned off in the studio, anything said while you're sitting in front of a microphone would go over the air. In other words, 
Let's pretend now that today is yesterday. All right. Hey, I'm turning off my microphone so uh, we can go to a commercial break and so that if I uh, unleash a torrent of profanity, it won't go over the air. I have a hot tip on a racehorse for you, and I'm not telling anyone but you. I've turned off my microphone. Hey, Tim, how about those drugs I ordered? They arrived yet? See, that's exactly the kind of thing that was happening yesterday. Yes, they are. Pick them up in St. John's at noontime. I would turn off the microphone, or Tim would turn off the microphone, and the voice would still go over the air. And it has to do with, there's some, there's a whole complicated thing that has to do with the, 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 I don't understand. the microphone being patched into the computer, and the computer being patched into the control board, and all of it going over the air, even when everything was supposedly turned off. So two days in a row, they've claimed that that was fixed. And so just now, when I heard you clear your throat, I looked over and I saw that your microphone was off, and yet I heard it clear as day in my headphones, which is, so I'm assuming that went over the air as well. Let's try that I, again. I'm sorry about that. Why don't you turn your mic off and uh, say something? All right, there we go. That's better. Fantastic. All right, let's do this. Straight ahead, we'll have news from Tim Riley coming exactly. up later on. CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini will join us at 6 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, Food Porn with Kelly Clark. At 8 o'clock, Tommy Wusso, director of The Room and Nickelback Tickets at some point during today's program. Be listening for the sound of Tim Riley reciting those lyrics and stay there. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. This is The Rick Emerson Show. So it's a combination of improv and house cleaning. On Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO coming up at 6.05. Bob Costantini from CNN Radio on the Hill. At 6.40, Pat Jankowicz, the author of Jaws, The Companion. And at 7 o'clock, Food Porn with Kelly Clark. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 523 now. It's going to be partly sunny today. Highs in the low 90s. Luckily, we're going to cool out tomorrow as showers in the forecast. Ladies, keep an eye out for a rapist. This slime ball is attacking late at night in northwest of all places. Northwest, between 1130 and 3. Don't walk alone at night. The recession is blamed for a rise in the number of unclaimed bodies statewide. 144 bodies were cremated at state expense in the first half of this year. That's more than usual. The state medical examiner predicts 246 corpses will go unclaimed this year. How could you, I don't understand though, but presumably they know who a body is related to. Like, why wouldn't they just come to your house and go like, hey, you got to come pick up your mom? I mean, geez. I don't know. In other words, if it, if a body is unclaimed, does that mean it's, is that like a homeless person that has no, that has no relatives? Not necessarily. It, you know, uh, dead bodies that are found in places and the relatives just don't come forward to come pick them up. They just leave them there. Presumably, wouldn't the state would know sort of who would belong? In other words, if they so, let's say you're dead, right. not you, Tim, but I mean a person like you, but less beloved, mm. um, is dead. They got you know you have like fingerprints or something or dental records, so they'd be able to say uh, this is you know this is Tim Riley, and then somebody they would find her. Right, somebody has to come pick up the body. So if it's being cremated at state expense, wouldn't you figure the state would just bill the, the family for that? They would just like a bill would just arrive. In other words, if you if you drive through a, a red light, the state just sends you a ticket. Like they're mm-hmm. not, you know, you're probably not going to volunteer to like that was me. I uh, I'm sorry, I sped through an intersection without stopping, and I endangered the lives of children. I'll uh, I I'll was just, texting and petting the cat, and uh, I missed it. Texting and petting the cat. I'll uh, I'll just send you three hundred dollars. They know you're not going to do that, so they find you and then they send you a bill in the mail, which you then have to pay. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you like your brother-in-law dies and you decide not to not to take care of that, it seems like they would just tack that onto whatever you owe the state for whatever that year. The things don't run very efficiently in this uh, in this state sometimes, Tim. That's true. Confusing. 
Portland schools are gearing up for the swine flu. Yes, they're predicting a killer epidemic. They're going to be handing out swine flu tips to kids. Bring them home and read them. Give them to your parents. They're urging the youngsters to wash their hands and cough into their sleeves. Senator Ted Kennedy's body will travel more than 70 miles from his Cape Cod home to Boston to lie in repose in the Kennedy Presidential Library. Family members will attend a private mass at Hyannisport at noontime today. The motorcade will leave an hour later. It'll pass through St. Significantly uh, to the way that the, uh, the Kennedys live their lives. It'll end up at the Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum. His body will lie in repose until Friday. The motorcade will then go to a church where his mother Rose was baptized. It also passed uh, by the Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy Greenway. That's a Boston park he helped create and is named after his mother. Uh, military honor guard will then join the family. There will be an invitation-only memorial service at the library. Saturday, the president will speak at a private funeral mass at that church since he's already in Massachusetts anyway. Uh, last night, uh, John Kerry arrived at Hyannisport to speak with the family. The greatest thing was the way he just loved serving and the passion with which he devoted himself to public service, even as he was able to devote himself so entirely to his family. That's John Kerry, the most unsuccessful manufactured candidate ever. I was actually just going to say, isn't it funny how you can, uh, relative to you know, to the average person, John Kerry's very successful. I mean, he's, I mean, even without that nutcase wife of his, he's got millions of dollars of his own, and he's a senator, and he was very nearly the most powerful man in the world. People always need ketchup. But if you miss the, uh, if you, I mean, if you try for that brass ring of the presidency and you fail, it's funny how you're just a loser to everybody. I mean, John Kerry's more successful than anybody here, and yet we're like, he's a loser because he lost. Well, I mean, uh, granted, he lost to George W. Bush, but still. Yes. And like Michael Dukakis, same thing. I was thinking about he had Mike, the worst bumper stickers. I think about Michael Dukakis the other day, and just now, to, to, for the rest of my life, the only thing I will ever be able to picture, well, two things. One, actually, that's not true. Three things. One, I'll picture John Lovitz, who did a great Michael Dukakis impression where he was just like, where he was like three feet high behind the podium, and he talked about his relatives. My ancestors were swarthy people. Second, the fact that is that Kitty Dukakis went to rehab for drinking rubbing alcohol, and three, which really seems like you've hit. I mean, I know it's an addiction at all, but when you're actually drinking rubbing alcohol, which I didn't think was possible, I thought drinking rubbing alcohol was one of those things. It was where they said that you can't drink a teaspoon of salt or something. You can't eat a teaspoon of salt because your body won't process it. Like your throat would just close up. I didn't think you could drink rubbing alcohol because I thought your your body just rejected it somehow. But give her credit. I mean, she found a way to do it. And thirdly. That photograph of Michael Dukakis where he was in the tank that or whatever. Was bad. Well, that's the whole thing that ruined his his career. I mean, you know, they said that's the reason he lost the election is because he had that retarded photograph taken of himself. But so all you have to do is lose the race for the presidency, and immediately you're just filed in the category of guys who just can't get it done, which is what John Kerry is to me, and probably to everybody. Uh, John McCain was on the uh, Today Show just moments ago. There's no such thing as someone who's irreplaceable in an institution like the United States Senate. But he is as close as I think we'll ever come, certainly in my lifetime. Maybe you should go to one of those town halls and make those observations about how uh, Ted Kennedy's irreplaceable. So that's uh, John McCain. I had a story about monkeys, but I'm going to save it for later. So I had a bed bug summit. Uh, Kent Teacher. Oh, I had something else special for you. But back on the bed bug thing for just one moment. Before we went to the last break, we were talking about uh, if you're on the subway in New York and you see those, you know, those ads like they have at the, uh, you know, this is when I was about to make this observation when you turned off your microphone and cleared your throat and I still heard it in my headphones, which indicated that that problem was back. In New York, apparently bed bugs have become some 
some sort of huge, massive problem there because every third ad I saw was something to prevent, eradicate, or treat bed bugs in your house. Bed bugs invade New York. Tiny blood sucking bed bugs have become epidemic in New York City. And in, to the to the point that there was a guy they kept quoting in a lot of the ads, and his name was bed bug expert Richard Cooper. And I saw his probably I don't know three, four, five different products I saw advertised that were they related to bed bugs in some way, and like it was a mattress line or something that was supposed to keep them from coming and savaging you while you sleep. And they all quoted alleged bed bug expert uh, Richard Cooper. So that's where the big money is these days. Apparently, it's invaded even the swankiest of uh, penthouses. Yeah. So the bed bugs of New York. Uh, let's see what else did I have here. Oh, cash for clunkers is successful. Apparently, it's putting people back to work. It's created 42,000 jobs. They're uh, hiring auto plant workers back again. And uh, so that's a good thing. Was there some rule that you had to buy an American-made car no. when you did this? No. We I thought would, so, but it wasn't. I'd be curious to know what percentage of cars purchased for the Cash for Clunkers thing were actually American-made and what percentage were from some other nation. That doesn't really you know, matters to me one way or the other. But I, but I think there was this idea that it was to put money back in the American pocket. And I'm I'm not entirely sure that that was how that all shook out. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll uh, get caught up. The white Mercedes uh, belonging to the dead model found in a suitcase has been found in a West Hollywood parking lot. Police received an anonymous phone tip and found the car belonging to 28-year-old Jasmine Fiore in a parking lot next to a grocery store. Uh, so they haven't looked inside yet, and they couldn't see inside because it has tinted windows. So it's uh, going to be dusted. I did see a real creepy uh, interview with one of the, it wasn't a cop. It was like some guy, you know, the, the area man who was on the scene who said that th- the story is, and I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, it sounds creepy enough to be true, that they've got the surveillance footage of, what was the guy, Ryan Jenkins, the guy, um, the guy parking the car. And then I guess he left on foot and he got another, he rented a car or something and he got another car somewhere else. But apparently there's all this creepy surveillance footage of him parking the white Mercedes and then it's the worst thing. And then, quote, lugging a big suitcase out of the trunk across the parking I read lot. That. Which is the sort of thing you oh hear. Oh, my God. And it's like your brain figures out about half a second before the guy says it what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, well, uh, apparently there's a security footage that does show the aforementioned Mr. Jenkins opening the trunk. And and that's about the, the time when my brain realized what he was going to say. And then he actually just went in and he goes, and taking out a large suitcase and dragging it across the parking lot onto a bus or wherever the guy wherever the guy went after that. Oh, and now they think it's the half-sister. Yeah, I read that. In Canada. They think it's his sister who drove him to the motel and or whatever and paid mm-hmm. for the three days uh, of lodging or something. So, you know, that's what family's for, taking you off to the place where you're going to, uh, you know, the, the shank yourself. Let's do this. Straight ahead, we have more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Bob Costantini from CNN Radio on the Hill. At 6.40, Pat Jankowitz, author of The Jaws Companion. And at Kelly, uh, 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week will be here with Food Porn. It's a Rick Emerson Show. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Thursday morning. Stay right there. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in low definition. Are you just going to let me bleed out? The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at the top of the hour, 6 o'clock, we'll talk to Bob Costantini from CNN Radio uh, on the Hill about uh, the passing of Ted Kennedy. And I guess so it's, is this going to be one of those things where the whole East Coast just it closes for the better part of a week? Pretty much, yeah. Everybody sort of sits around and drinks and just uh, kind of stares blankly at a wall somewhere? At least through the weekend because after the uh, the funeral mass on in Saturday, Saturday in Boston, his body is going to be flown to Arlington National Cemetery to be buried there. All right. So we'll uh, talk to Bob Costantini so about the weekend. that. And I saw actually Orrin Hatch, who's the uh, the senator from Utah, uh, on TV uh, yesterday. And I guess that the, it was some weird. They they had like a whole strange, uh, like uh, Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, buddy cop drama thing happening with them. I guess because, you know, they both worked in the Senate for a long time and. I guess they had. Uh, I guess they had some morning Sam, morning Ralph Coyote sheepdog relationship in the Senate, where they got a lot of stuff done. Uh, Pat Jankowitz is the author of uh, the uh, Don't Go. That's the third time in a row I've mangled the uh, the name of that book. It's called Don't Go Back in the Water, the the Jaws Companion. That's coming up at six forty at seven o'clock. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week with Food Porn. Do you have this thing about Bernie Madoff's penis? I'd remember if I did. I guess I don't. I've got that right here. We'll get to that here. I'm sure it's been seen several times in prison. At the his mistress, I'll just I'll just read the story right now, so we can just get it out of the way. This is uh, Bernie Madoff's mistress, who is uh, she's got a book that she's uh, putting out, and the name of the book is uh, I think it's called The Other Secret. To pump her books released today, Cheryl Weinstein, who describes herself as quote Bernie Madoff's mistress, said that he was a good kisser. Which he had to be because he had a tiny penis. Which is exactly what you want her saying on Good Morning America, by the way. Um, she says, I don't want... She's classy. So I want to emasculate him. But he was very small, if you know what I mean. Uh, she said, uh, I believe that's why he was driven to do the things he did. Because he was making up for something. So it's not enough that, you know, that he's humiliated, he's shamed, he's going to prison for like 185 years. But then his mistress, who by the way... I mean, if you if you're bright enough to swindle twenty billion dollars out of people, it seems like you're able to do better than this woman. She looks like you remember when um when uh, what's her name played uh, Martha Stewart in the TV movie, um, the chick from Moonlighting, whose name is escaping me now at the moment. Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd. She played Martha Stewart, and but but she was kind of playing like frumpy Martha Stewart in the beginning. This woman kind of looks like frumpy Martha Stewart, but also at the age of like seventy or something. And she was apparently Bernie Madoff's mistress. So if you get a chance, it really is worth watching the video on YouTube because it's uncomfortable in a whole lot of ways. At the uh, news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Wright. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center downtown Portland, 547. Now it's going to be partly sunny today, highs in the low 90s, but cooling off tomorrow as showers come in. At long last, a magazine for plus size, larger, lovelier women is being published, and that is being done in Vancouver. This is called Scorch Magazine. This is Vancouver, BC. Vancouver, Washington, the second biggest city in Washington. Or is it the third? I think it's the third. I guess it depends on what way you're uh, you're using that phrase. It's called what? Scorch. Scorch. Mm-hmm. Is this a is this a sexy magazine? Uh, it targets women sizes twelve through twenty eight. That is a big demographic. Size twenty eight. Twenty eight. Who's yeah. a size twenty eight, Sarah? Like how would I? I don't even know what that means. I don't know. This is one of those things where guys just the, the straight way is lost to me here. I have no, I have no sort of radar for sussing out what that actually. But this is like that time we were trying to figure out on the scale of one to ten, like who a six was. Mm-hmm. We had the whole discussion about like if so and so is a ten, you know, and if so and you know, then, then like what then the what chick is is a six? Who would a size twelve be? Maybe like Star Jones in her bigger days. 
Nah, see, but I thought, but see, I, well, I guess I really don't know what anything is. Wait, that's nice 12? This, this is where we're wading into this. Uh, 12 through 28. So yeah, at the low know. end of that, a size 12, like is it, what celebrity would be a size 12? An Olsen twin? I'm trying to win that. But they're like a bit. No, they're, those are, they're zeros. They're down at the actual literal size zero, which didn't exist until about 15 years ago. But they're they're at the like the very, very bottom end of the scale. That's not like the same size as a model in a suitcase. So if this is 12. What a horrible. What a, what a well, hor- that was my second thought. I, you are. I'm glad you said that, by the way, because it was just going to sit out there otherwise. So if it's women uh, sizes 12 through 28. I'm just trying to get some frame of reference. Like, what? Who, who can I compare that to? I don't know. I'm asking Sarah because you're the only woman in the room. I, know, I have no I idea. I don't know. I mean, you I could don't... estimate what a, what a probably what what a celebrity, what a female celebrity. But there aren't a lot of celebrities though. that are like twelves because that's more of an average woman kind. Who's of Who's a well known kind of plus size celebrity? Oh, uh, like Kelly Osbourne. Okay, so like, what would Kelly Osbourne be? She'd think? probably be like a twelve. Okay, so this so wow, twelve. So this goes all the way to a twenty-eight. See, that's that was my suspicion. I didn't want to say until I do it. So if Kelly Osbourne, let's say, who is uh, you know the, the, not the massively obese, but she's certainly a larger woman. Um, if she's a twelve, and this goes all the way to twenty-eight, then that makes you wonder, like, what, like, what, and when they do the twenty-eight, is that like how do they determine women's sizes? They measure around or something? Where does that number come from? Because with a guy, like I'm a like I'm a thirty thirty two or whatever thirty thirty four, so that's like I have a thirty waist and I'm thirty two with your inseam or whatever, which is like from your from your junk to your feet. But that female number, where does that size come from? I don't know, and it changes too, just depending on if it's women's sizes or junior sizes or petite sizes. So it might be the same number, but it's all different sizes depending on what type of. Uh, so like if you're like a not you, but like if somebody if you're like a dress size, whatever, like a six or something, but that's different. There's like an adult six and like a like a like a girl six. Like if you're a that's child, cause I, yeah, because I wear a six in dresses, but then like my pants size varies like crazily. It should be like, noted there's, by there's the way, no I just picked six out of the air. I wasn't attempting to guess <laughs> anything there because I know not to do that. So twenty eight. I mean, that's got to be. It's got to be massive, though. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to be lookist. I'm just saying, if Kelly Osbourne's a 12 and this goes all the way to 28, because I'm assuming that that is, that that's a that's a progressive expansion. In other words, it, you know, 28 is a little bit bigger than 12. That's probably more than double. All right. They have a website you can look at. Scor- Scorchmagazine.com. Um, Rick, it's not right probably now. more than double. 28 is more than double. Well, I double. never know how that. I never know how that works though, because uh, because sizes just seem. Sizes seem so mystified because, like a size twelve shoe, I don't think that that's not twice as big as a six. I think there's somewhere. That's another thing where, like, shoes have their. It's like scoring tennis. Clothes seem to have their own whole uh, like weird thing going on. Scorch well, because then you have to take the size one and then uh, subtract that from the shoe, and I bet it's half of the size. And and and, and the fact that there is okay, there's scorchmagazine.com does not appear to be coming up, Tim. S K O R C H. Oh, I'm sorry. Magazine. K. I didn't, uh, I didn't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, let's see, scorchmagazine.com. All right, I'm looking at... Uh... The front of it's a sexy. I'm Lindsay Johnson, and welcome to Scorch Magazine Photoshoot. All right, so you go right there, and there's immediately a... Well, I'm going to go right now. It's a I'm photo sure. shoot of some Vancouver beauties, Tim. Wow. Um, so it's a bunch of women standing... And she's wearing a dog collar. And Really? I must have missed that. I, but they're standing next to a handicap sign at what appears to be a courthouse somewhere. I'm sure that they must be somewhere else. That girl isn't big. I'm, uh, I'm look well, but, but that's the thing. They do the whole, they do the whole uh, scale, so to speak, from twelve to twenty-eight. When you say that girl isn't big, I've noticed this. If you go right to that photo shoot, there's a bunch of women of different sizes standing here. So if there's a size, if the woman was like a size eighteen or a size twenty, or you put a woman who's a size twelve next to her, but uh, you know, it's all, uh, it's all relative. All right. 
Well, I feel kind of wrong looking at this, like it's porn or something. Like you're not supposed to be. Yeah. Do you feel like you're? Do you feel like you're not supposed to be looking at this because this is? Do you feel like you're uh, peeking into a world that doesn't include you? Because no. you're not. Because you're not. A, you're not a larger woman. So I. This is. Do, do you feel like you're? Um, I just feel like things all of a sudden like it's gonna um, switch from pictures to like video, and they're all gonna start making out or something. <laughs> it's gonna be a picture of Monique in a bikini. <laughs> Monique, come get my love on. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So take a look at it. it's Scorch Magazine, and you're gonna love it. Uh, among those uh, running from coast to coast will be blind people, so do be careful on the road this weekend. It's what, the, uh, there's blind people where? They're going to be running from uh, Mount Hood. Do they know that? To the coast. Where they am I going? Uh, just to the store, Bob. They know that they're blind. Just go that way. All right. Is that what you're asking? No, I was just asking if uh, if they've been told exactly how far they were going. They've been told they'll get there soon enough. All right. It's almost 200 miles long. It is the mother of all relays, according to this. And uh, let's see... Uh, Everyone on the team IROC is blind, but they plan to win this year's race, despite the challenges of not being able to see. How is uh, th- this? Is they run from they run from Mount Hood to mm-hmm. where? Where's the destination? Uh, what is it? Uh, seaside. So this must be a thing. Well, I guess they must have a car or something that, that it goes. But then that would require them to all stick together, right? How many blind? Because yeah, I know are they running? take breaks too. Do we have the? Do we know how many people? Yeah, I'm looking here. Because if there's 50 blind people and it, one guy's it, it a laggard. Say. Uh, then you're going to have to like, uh, have a card sort of tracking him the entire way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say how many there are. Well, I guess if your senses have come alive otherwise, though, you'll uh, you'll be able to stay yourself on the road. By the way, I'm just going to read this uh, this description of Scorch Magazine. This is from the uh, website. Scorch Magazine is for trendy and fashionable women. You can't describe yourself as trendy, by the way. Who are trendy and fashionable women, sizes 12 plus, who crave a magazine that looks and feels like every other fashion magazine, but also offers fashion commentary and advice for a plus-size woman. Scorch is for a plus-size woman who want uh, trendy plus-size fashion, beauty tips, celebrity style, and plus-size. It's like some sort of a drinking game to see how many times we can use the word plus-size. At in-depth interviews, uh, we are the translations of skinny fashion to plus-size also be offering a print edition and uh, so forth, as well as uh, fashion spreads. So there you go. You can do the fashion spreads. Keep an eye out for uh, keep an eye out for that. All right. Straight ahead, we have uh, Bob Costantini who's going to be joining us from CNN Radio on the Hill. Coming up at 6.40, Pat Jankowitz, author of Just When You Thought It Was Safe to Go Back in the Water, The Jaws Companion, and at 7 o'clock, Food Porn with Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week. You stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Emerson Show in mere moments only on Rock 101 KUFO KUFO Portland It's the Rick Everson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini from The Hill about uh, Ted Kennedy's life and legacy. And uh, how... So this is going to be one of those things where they have they have the funeral sort of in three parts, right? Yes. Where, you know, it begins in one place and then there's sort of like a like a road show where they take it somewhere else. Hyannis Port, private. Uh, the Kennedy Library, he'll lie in repose for a couple of days. And then the other funeral is private at the church in South Boston, and then the burials at Arlington National Cemetery. All right, so we'll talk about that with Bob Costantini here in uh, just a few. Coming up this hour at 6.40, we'll talk to Pat Jankowitz, author of Just When You Thought It Was Safe to Go Back in the Water, a Jaws Companion. This is the guy, it seems like it's going to be a great interview. 
But this is the guy that was described by Greg and then subsequently by a caller who apparently had this author as a teacher. Uh, he, the guy was described as, quote, crazy. And then I looked at his photograph, and he seems he has crazy eyes and crazy face and kind of everything, this, uh, this, this Jaws everything. author. I'll, I'll put it up at rickemerson.com so you can see it. He looks like Schneider from One Day at a Time, but if he were to be homeless... And then, like, to be dressed as a hockey player. It's, it's, it's very hard to explain, but it, he seems like he might be ever so slightly unstable. Uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark with Food Porn. Mystery guest at 7.20. How good do you feel about today's mystery guest? Pretty good. I don't know. We, we took it. We took a whole new approach this time. It's, it's going to be uh, something to which you've never experienced before. I don't know what that means. I, I mean, I guess by definition, I'm not supposed to understand that. All right, so mystery guest coming up at 7.20 and uh, 8 o'clock. Tommy Wiseau, yeah, star of, interviews. of director of it, writer of uh, The Room. Okay, can we just, can we lay it out on the table right now? We, we should talk more about this as we get closer to, uh, to, to, to 8 o'clock, but, I, but it is worth noting at this point that The Room, which is this spectacularly bad film. Did you, Greg, did you see the whole movie or did you just, uh, were you only seeing the trailer? What oh. did you... Oh no! I watched it in all its glory. No, I let him borrow it yesterday. <laughs> it yeah. really is something else. I mean, it's a it's ninety minutes long, but it just seems it's just an excruciating eternity. It takes it, about five hours to watch that film. It's like it's hilarious, awkward, and painful all at the same time. And the story I heard is that he was in real life. Tommy was so was some guy who imported clothing. Uh, you know, L.A. He was just like a uh, he was a clothing wholesaler. Made a bunch of money. Decided to you know I am vastly talented. I should make a movie. And then he wrote you know this magnum opus of a film, which seemed and the whole purpose of the movie seemed to be so he could film a bunch of hot chicks rolling around on a bed because about every seven like i was watching with lara no it isn't even a hot chick it's just one chick and she isn't even that cute and you know it's bad when you're watching something with your wife and a sex scene comes on and it's like it's awkward for everybody in the room because it's just because it's like that bad kind of it's that bad kind of sex scene that they used to show in uh, uh like in the 80s when you would subscribe to playboy magazine they would give you like you get, you know, if you subscribe now, you'll also get this VHS tape, Playboy's Magic Models, or whatever. And it would just, you know, and it'd be like some thirty-five minutes of chicks standing there while gauzy curtains kind of blew around. Yeah, and like, it's very gauzy. And it was like this sub sort of Kenny G music on the soundtrack. Like this smooth jazz would play, and meanwhile, a girl would be in lingerie, like posing in front of a refrigerator, you know, or something. And that's what all the sex scenes in this movie are like. And then there's characters that appear and say something dramatic and then are never seen again. And the acting is simultaneously overwrought yet completely flat. I mean, it, it's like it's almost this perfect white dwarf of a film, this black hole from which nothing good can escape. <laughs> and yet it's playing at Cinema 21 tomorrow. And the guy was yeah. like in Entertainment Weekly. So yet I've watched it like over 50 times. I, I'm telling really. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, I, I just watched it again. That's like, beautiful and said, like, I kind of want to hug you and then send you to a hospital at the same um, time. Just real quick, like, I, I, so I had to send his uh, assistant all the questions that we were going to ask before. Should we just say right now that his assistant is him pretending to be somebody else? I didn't say The that director of this film. I, like, he pretends to be his own assistant. Okay, so I just sent all the questions and uh, he sent back answers, even though. Um, he knows it's a radio interview and everything. Yeah, right? so he answered all the questions, and this interview might go poorly. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. That's coming up at 8 o'clock, so listen for the suck. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourselves. From the Hill, CNN radio correspondent and man of the world, Bob Costantini. Good morning, Rick. Hello, Bob. How are you on this uh, fine Thursday? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. The Busy day yesterday, obviously. Uh, I was going to ask the the amount of uh, the amount of energy that you must have had to expend yesterday because the, the Ted Kennedy story, which everybody sort of knew was coming on some level, but um, I guess we should have read into the fact 
uh, you know, some significance that he wasn't at Eunice Shriver's funeral. So th- to what extent does this throw a wrench into, uh, you know, whether it's healthcare, whether it's whatever else is happening right now? Because it, clearly there's going to be some sort of interstitial period where they got to figure out who's going to be, you know, who's going to be taking his place and who's going to be voting in his stead. So does this slow down the actual uh, the, the business of, of government at the moment? Well, uh, government at the moment uh, is on vacation anyway, uh, Rick, uh, uh, and won't be back until after Labor Day. Really, when the health care debate will kick up again, and uh, you know, no doubt this does uh, cause some interesting uh, twist to the whole health care debate. If you want to look at it politically, uh, Senator Kennedy was very devoted to getting health care. Uh, health insurance for everybody in America. Um, uh, and right now we have some 46 million who are uncovered at this point. Um, you know, uh, there's talk among Democrats, of course, of naming the bill after him, which would have, which would be rather obvious, uh, way to do it. But that doesn't necessarily mean, uh, that, uh, a bunch of Republicans are going to get on board with whatever, you know, uh, with whatever reform may come out. And obviously the key question is what, uh, would Senator Kennedy have wanted in this whole debate about the public option, which is anathema to the Republicans? Um, you know, would, did, was Senator Kennedy ever cognizant of the debate about the public option, the idea of taking it out, um, that kind of thing? We, we'll probably never really uh, know that or find that out. But, you know, what would Senator Kennedy have wanted to do? Because we heard so much yesterday about how he was a great compromiser. Uh, with Republicans, um, and, uh, you know, what uh, would he have been willing to compromise on the public option? That's one of the key questions it's, that a lot of people speculate about. It's interesting when you think about the image of that guy as opposed to the reality of that, uh, of that guy, of Ted Kennedy, because, you know, by all, by all accounts, he was, as you said, he was something of a moderate in the sense that he brought together both sides of the political aisle and broached compromise or whatever. But... It, 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 I mean, there's a whole swath of this country, you know, to whom you mention the name Ted Kennedy, and it's uh, suddenly you can just, uh, you know, Mr. Hand becomes becomes Mr. Fist. I had the best idea last night, though. We were talking about the I was talking to my wife, who was from Utah, about Orrin Hatch, who was you know, an extremely conservative sure. uh, senator from uh, from Utah. But he and Ted Kennedy, I guess, they were you know friends and worked together on a lot of things. I had this great Mr. Smith goes to Washington uh, moment playing out of my head, where you know the next time a vote comes up for something, whether it's health care, whether it's whatever, Orrin Hatch. Uh, he should stand up and he should give a very impassioned speech with some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of Aaron Copeland-esque music playing in the background. And then he should cast his vote as my late friend Ted Kennedy would have voted. Because the thing is, just like how Nixon was able to visit China because he'd spent, up his, he'd spent his whole life building up his anti-communist credentials, Orrin Hatch, in the best of all possible worlds, he gets up and he makes everybody cry, sort of Brian song style, by casting his vote the way Ted Kennedy would have voted. And yet at the same time, everybody in Utah knows that he's just unbelievably conservative, so it's not like he's going to lose any ground there. Uh, and then he, he, you know, he does that just so Aaron Sorkin can later adapt it into a scene in some sort of film. That's really the only reason I want it to happen is because, uh, you know, then it, then it can be worked into a future West Wing made-for-TV film. You have it worked out for Hollywood, at least. Um, um, but that, uh, you know, uh, Orrin Hatch may very well stand up and, and eulogize Ted Kennedy at some point uh, on the Senate floor, no doubt. Uh, just about everybody will uh, when they come back uh, to be to be on the record with that. Um, but again, you know, Orrin Hatch is, uh, was a person who got along, uh, found Ted Kennedy to be agreeable even when they disagreed. Um, and you know, uh, that's I guess what we'll all have to, to wait and see. The key question is: Does this change the debate? Does it make it milder? 
uh, does it uh, does it make people a little more willing to compromise? Uh, no. You know, I, it's hard to say. If Obviously, you, they're all out of town right now. If you'd like, I can just skip to the end of the page. The answer is no, no, <laughs> no, no. People rem- people will remain largely horrible and usually uh, uh, obstructionist, Bob. That's uh, well. I, th- I think when uh, when the Senate maybe comes up for come up for a vote, whatever the Senate bill decides or eventually becomes, because we're still waiting to hear from the Finance Committee, uh, which is supposedly working on some great. Uh, bipartisan compromise. Uh-huh. You know, when, when that vote comes up a few weeks from now, uh, Ted Kennedy will have been buried for a while, and, I, and, and things will just be, you know, perhaps uh, normal. I should just, uh, I should say, I do appreciate your uh, your unbiased and objective uh, right. journalistic assessment of things, but uh, people are largely just an impediment to progress of any kind, Bob. Let's, uh, let's not have any illusions about that. All right. All right, my friend. As always, a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Rick. Bob Thank Costantini, you. ladies and gentlemen, joining us from the Hill. That's Fantastic. All right. Boy, I, I have to I say. I love him. He's a breath of fresh air. He really is. I, in a way that I, Bob is Bob is really kind of cut from his own cloth. There really is nobody who sounds like that. I have to say, not to make light of the death of Ted Kennedy, but really, I have to say this. This has got to be a good week to be, uh, and a good couple of weeks probably to be a bar owner in Boston or anywhere around there. Yes. Because, you know, probably everybody on earth. I mean, they're all going to be going in and acting out those wire sequences where they just they all sit there and they sing a Pogue song or something, and then everybody uh, and then everybody hoists a glass to Teddy. So if you are uh, if you're in the business of wholesaling or re- retailing any kind of alcohol on the East Coast, uh, your personal recession has ended, friends and neighbors. So uh, that's Ted Kennedy's final gift to you: the gift of booze-based economy. Straight ahead, we'll talk to uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. We'll have news of the world for you at six forty. Pat Jankowitz, author of Just When You Thought It Was Safe to Go Back in the Water, the Jaws Companion. 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark from the uh, Willamette Week with Food Porn. And at some point today, we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Joe Rogan. Also, a pair of reserve seats to Nickelback. Be listening. It's a Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. And show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. What do you mean you're sorry in advance about the mystery guest? Now, what are you laughing at, Greg Nibbler? Uh oh. Is something amusing going on that I need to know about? It's going to be awesome. Uh huh. By the way. Well, it's not, uh, this person isn't talking about uh, slavery or anything. Are you just trying to throw me off? Is this a red herring? Does this mean the person... Do you honestly think that Greg and I would want to do that again? That was the worst experience. Are you going to go the other way? Am I talking to a Klansman or something? And I'm uh, I'm not going to be uh, aware. By the way, Mystery Guest will be coming up today at 720. So, this is, so I will get... The, the way it's been working out is I get around 10 or 15 seconds notice of who the guest is going to well, be. Well, see, so it went poorly with that... Um... With the guy writing the book that turned out to be about... Uh, the unpleasant nature of race relations in America? Yes, it was supposed Especially to be about... Especially because that was the week I thought it was going to be Andy Dick. <laughs> So, so that one went poorly, and then so we made it up to you by getting Joan Embry. Yes, that's true. Uh, and so that now was the best one. Now I feel like we've been nice enough, so now it's back to normal. Now it's back to getting Fred Durst. All right. So coming up at 7.20 today, we'll have Mystery Guest, uh, where I'll get about 15 seconds notice of who I'm going to be interviewing. And the thing is, and, and just so everybody's sort of aware... If if it's a name I don't recognize, uh, you know I don't get any clue as to what they do or who they are. Like that guy from So You Think You Can Dance or whatever, whatever that show was. And I had no idea. I will give you a clue today. This is not going to be somebody you recognize. Oh, that's great. Okay. Or uh, will it? I would like to know. 
I'd like to know, incident. Uh, I'd like to know, incidentally, if I'm getting any credit for the fact that I'm doing the mystery guest and then what's his guts from the room within half an hour. Oh basically. my god! So Tommy was so made me write all like he made me send all the questions to him, and then he responded back, and then he responded in the answers, and this is going to go poorly. Nah, that's great. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, but. Uh, Something to look forward to. Yes, I, I, think, I think he's just a, not a very big writer. I, I know that he likes to talk a lot, so I think that uh, once you ask him the questions, he'll probably get a little warmed up. Yeah, sure. Just keep telling yourself Do that. we have some kind of opening? This will go poorly. We should. We should have a segments that are ill-advised, Sander. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland, 627. It's going to be in the low 90s today, but cooling off with showers tomorrow. A bicyclist has been struck and killed earlier this morning. It happened at Northeast 122nd and Fremont, around 2.15. Police arrived at the scene to find the 52-year-old cyclist there. The car had taken off. They have no further information. Well, Ted Kennedy spent his final days doing exactly what he wanted to do. He had big bowls of mocha chip ice cream. Watch all the James Bond movies in every episode of 24 on DVD, and that's how he wanted to go out, and that's what he did. That's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I think my particulars would be different, but, mm-hmm. uh, well, that's like that whole thing where they, you know, you'll, you'll hear this story every now and again, you know, the so-and-so for his last meal ordered a pastrami sandwich with a pickle. And then you'd have to have the obligatory discussion about your last meal, which would be, Sarah? Macaroni and cheese. Craft, uh, homemade, or from other? Craft macaroni and cheese with hot dogs cut up in it. Mm, with right. Hebrew National hot dogs. Tim Riley? I want Pat to have with a side order of spring rolls. From anywhere in particular? Uh, I can think of a couple places I like. All right. Greg yes. Nibbler, uh, your uh, your last meal would be? My last meal? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, pizza. Uh, from anywhere in particular? Uh, from uh, I would have to think about that. All Sorry. Right. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. At the, hey, what uh, about yours? Oh, uh, mine would be pizza. Mine would be pizza from this uh, from this place in Kennewick, uh, from, uh, from Hubby's Pizza, which is on Columbia Drive. Which is the, I'm just saying for me, which is like the definitive pizza of, of all time. That, but I would also accept Kraft macaroni, incidentally. That's like if, if you couldn't obtain that pizza, like if that place was gone or whatever, I would have, because I think there is a rule that it's either got to be a place that, it, that delivers, like if you're in prison and you want a last meal, I think it's got to be either something that can be delivered that falls within the restaurant's normal delivery area or that's something that they would traditionally, you know, that they would deliver via mail or something. Um, or it's got to be something that they can prepare in the prison kitchen. I don't think. I, think I, want, I want the goopy kind, though. The um, macaroni and cheese deluxe. Oh, with the weird, with the the, the creamy oh cheese God, sauce so packet. Oh my God, so good. Yeah. No, so, no, see, now I I thought we were on the same path in life, but now I see that we're two very, very different people. Well, because I usually I skip the deluxe because it's way too fattening, but if it's my last meal, then I'd totally go for the deluxe. I, but don't you find that it has a weird sort of gelatinous consistency to it? No, I love it. Now, see, I think I like the sort of vague, gritty texture that the uh, that the powdered cheese has. This, by the way, is, is, this is Sarah and I's lives, like, like in a nutshell, the fact that we're actually arguing about different varieties of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. So uh, Anderson Cooper is getting on Heidi Montag's case about that lip-syncing incident at the Miss Universe pageant. Oops. Here he is again, Anderson Cooper. Wow. She kind of lip-synced. It kinda. almost was in sync her way through her new song. Now, the performance was from last night's Miss Universe pageant. I don't really know who this person is, nor why she's pretending to be a singer, nor why anyone should actually listen to her, but apparently she's famous. Heidi Montag is so famous, she actually Twitters. And she Twittered to congratulate herself. She tweeted she had so much fun, she also thanked God. Mm. I don't think God had anything to do with this production. I would hope for God's sake God had nothing to do with that. Um, If God has the time to work on this production, and that's the best God can do, we're all in trouble. 
I'm bitchy. <laughs> Seriously. And the best part is smack, how he's smack. I have no idea who this person is. And it, it, I think we should all admit right now that we know deep inside that Anderson Cooper probably has seen every he... episode of that. He hosted The Mole, for God's oh, sake. Oh, no, he watches The Hills. No, I no, mean... no. Erica Hill, who's his female pal at the anchor desk, schools him on who this Heidi person is. The interesting part about the performance, too, is apparently through most of it, she didn't seem to know the words she was supposed to <laughs> lip sync to her own song. Uh-huh. I think using the term interesting for anything in this performance is a stretch. Sultry, that was the look we just saw. You could use that word. <laughs> okay. Who is she? Where is she from? Oh, the Hills, Anderson. Come okay. on. She married right. that annoying Spencer Pratt. Uh, they love them themselves. Every, the, 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 love the, the, themselves. Right. Uh, it's time to move They're on. Spidey. Boy, could he be more of a C? I mean, it's just, I mean, there's just there's just no getting, I mean, which is what makes him great, uh, of course. It's hard to th- imagine the fact that Anderson Cooper was, not too long ago, the host of a reality TV show. He was the sort of the Jeff Probst of, was that on CNN, The Mole? No, that was ABC. Because he was, what, uh, because I want to say that Julie Chen was... Uh, was the host, but that wouldn't make any sense because uh, because she's married to what's his name. Mm-hmm. So it's all the, anyway. So that was ABC. Then before that, he was hosting the overnight news on ABC TV. I don't even know if that show's on anymore. That's right. I forgot all about that. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, a mystery caller to a Jacksonville Home Depot reportedly inquired how she might go about removing a large quantity of blunt from her carpeting. <laughs> the woman called the store, asked the Home Depot employee, "Quote: How do you get a large amount of blood out of a carpet?" The employee thought uh, the question the person was asking about was how to clean up blood, so they became so suspicious that the store called police. The one on the phone also asked to rent a carpet steamer, but was told to come into the store the next morning when the store reopened. She never gave her name, never called back. Oh, so they don't never so, showed up. so they don't know who it is. No. Oh, that's creepy. See, I thought it was going to end with, and then the cops traced the call, and they went to her home, and then they found the, uh, you know whatever cheerleader in it, you know in some catacombs down below. Do you want to know how to do it? Yes, yes. How do you get okay. blood out? How do you, not just blood, but a large quantity of blood, right. Tim? How do you get rid of that? You sprinkle salt on the blood and mix together a solution that's one part hydrogen peroxide and one part cold water. And then, but then, but then what? Off of something <laughs> that you just don't know that from memory. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. I looked it up because I knew you were going to ask me. What about muffling screams I, and disposing of bones, Tim? How do I you do that? Prepare, I only prepare for things I think you're going to ask. How do you sever the tongue? I find that to be the hardest you're part. Predictable, Rick. The I I can only help with so many things at once. So, in, in it, but I mean, what else do you do? It seems like you got to do something. Like you don't you don't just sprinkle the salt or whatever, and then it, it just goes away. I mean, no. do you use a sponge? Do you what, use a brush? You put the salt down. You dump some of the solution that's one part hydrogen peroxide and one part water on it, and then I guess you blot it up. I don't think you can blot a large quantity of blood. <laughs> if you have a big chamois. If you had a... Some, they should totally... Shamwow. Has somebody done that? I mean, I know that we should be past the point of making fun of shamwow, but eventually it'll come back as like a retro thing. Has somebody done the, can you use a shamwow to get to like clean up a murder scene? I don't know. All right, that's to. okay. With that, or have, I see no reason why you can't. Somebody ought to do a thing where it's like a shamwow meets Billy Mays kind of a deal. Uh, you know, and, 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 but then they've got to like, but then they've killed somebody and then they've got to figure out how to, how to clean it up. That'd be funny. I mean, you know, like it handled in just the right way and not at all tasteless. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I'm predictable? Because I want to know how to get rid of bones. <laughs> no, I thought it was cute that Tim knows what you're going to ask before you even know. Like as he's here at three o'clock in the morning preparing the news, he knows that you're going to ask him. Oh, that he knows what stories to, uh, that he knows what stories no, are going to catch not my only that, fancy. Because that wasn't even part of the story because Tim not only found that story, he then did research on how to get out <laughs> blood because he knew that you were going to ask him how to do it. Is that and what so, you're telling yourself that he did research on that? No, he did. That's what he said. I he did. looked it up. 
I come in here at 3 o'clock in the morning and try to figure out what you're going to be thinking of today. Looked it up in a dark <laughs> corner of your own soul. Isn't that nice? Yes, it is, Tim. I appreciate you going the extra mile. Thank you for... Hey, real quickly, and then we have to break because we the got the Jaws you know. guy coming up. I tried to get a hold of this guy really desperately, and I could, he never got back to me. Did you see... This is nothing happened while we were in New York, speaking of blood. Uh, a guy in Portland was selling a John Wayne Casey self-portrait. I didn't happened hear about that. While we were, it was in while we were in New York because... A it list, wasn't told about that here. It was on Craigslist. Because a listener forwarded, you know, you can do that thing of like forward this posting. Mm-hmm. I got it. It was like, a, you know, so-and-so has forwarded you this posting from Craigslist. And it was a guy in Portland who had an, a certified, uh, authenticated self-portrait by John Wayne Gacy. And I emailed the guy. I'm like, dear guy, please, what is up with that? Please get back to me. And I gave my phone number and everything. I never heard back. So if anybody out there knows the guy who's selling the John Wayne Gacy uh, self-portrait, you just uh, hook a oh, brother Lara's up. Lara's going to be really stoked about that. Lara doesn't have to know, baby. That can. Uh, I'll just keep that in my. Uh, I'll keep that in my little, little private viewing until area. Until the ghost of John Wayne Gacy starts haunting your apartment. All right. Until she just until she decides to do a deep cleaning and wonders why there's a scary clown photo hanging uh, in somewhere. Uh, straight ahead, we'll talk to Pat Jankowitz, author of uh, The Jaws Companion, just when he thought it was safe to go back in the water. 7 o'clock, food porn with Kelly Clark. 7.20, mystery guest. And at some point before the end of the hour, tickets to see Joe Rogan. Stay there. We're live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain, your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's a Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll talk to Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Food porn with Kelly Clark coming up in the 7 o'clock hour as well. Mystery guest at 7.20 and at 8 o'clock, Tommy, Tommy Musso. And so if you don't know that, did you tell me that he was on the cover, was going to be on the cover of both the Willamette and the Mercury? Yeah, no, they both did articles on him, and yeah, and he was uh, yeah mentioned on both of their covers. And that's uh, and his movie, The Room, is going to be playing at the Cinema Twenty One tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was playing uh, last week, and I was so but or a couple weeks ago at Cinema Twenty One. They're playing it twice Friday night, and I think twice Saturday. It night really well. is a it's a fairly awful experience, and and completely righteous at the same time. So it's amazing, and I've never seen it in the theater like. With, you know, like 400 other people. I'm sure it's a lot better than that. It's an irreplaceable Oh, come on. It's going to be amazing. It'll be bigger. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. He is the author of Just When You Thought It Was Safe, A Jaws Companion, uh, Mr. Pat Jankowitz. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Not bad. Thank you. How are you? I am uh, I'm Jim Dandy, my friend. Uh, so out of the gate, I'll ask you, uh, why Jaws? In other words, I mean, I know it's a huge film, one of my favorite films of all time. But you sat down and you wrote a whole book about not just Jaws, but Jaws 2, Jaws 3D and Jaws uh, the Revenge. So, uh, what uh, was it? Just you found that there was already a book about the Leprechaun series, or why? Why the book? First of all, I really, I really, really have to object to comparing the, the Jaws movies to Leprechaun. It was the only thing I could think of. I was just, uh, I was just punting there, Pat. There's no getting around it. <laughs> well, I think uh, you have to acknowledge Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, and Jaws the Revenge because. It's very hard to find such a great film where you immediately drop off for the sequels. I mean, you'd have to go back to, like, The Exorcist for a truly great film followed by three such lousy movies. Would you say that every Jaws sequel is worse than the one that came before it? I think it's actually uh, quite true, yes. By the time you get to the fourth one, which you talked about yesterday, it is so truly bad, you don't know how it's even related to the first one. What would you say is the very, very worst moment from Jaws the Revenge? I would think it would be towards the end. 
ending of the fourth one where you can see the water slapping against the horizon. I, I had forgotten all about that. Roger Ebert wrote a whole review where he listed off the various things that he found terrible about that. And I think he actually did mention that, like, you can you can see that it's just a tank. And there, there's really just like a painting uh, of the sky against the background. Let's go back to the original Jaws for a second. People always talk about how it's the first blockbuster and it's the first movie to make $100 million. Um, some things that I've always heard about that, and I don't know if it's true or not. And I, I, I Somebody asked me, actually, um, a few weeks ago, I was talking to somebody about it, and they said, what movie have you seen more than any other? And I said, the two movies that I have seen the most in my life are uh, Jaws and The Blues Brothers. Those are the two films that I've seen more than any other. Because when I was a kid, I just latched onto those and I watched them over and over and over again. And I always heard that that, that speech that uh, Robert Shaw gives in Jaws, where he talks about, I'll never put on a life vest again. And he tells that whole thing about being on the Indianapolis. Was that improvised? Did Robert Shaw write that himself? Robert Shaw did the final version himself. He came up with, uh, people forget he was a playwright, he wrote The Man in the Glass Booth. But this is one reason why Jaws the movie, I would argue, is much better than Jaws the book. That speech was kind of, uh, um, several different writers came up with it. Howard Sackler, who wrote The Great White Hope, um, he was the first one to introduce the backstory of Quint having been on the Indianapolis. John Milius, who wrote Conan the Barbarian and Apocalypse Now, uh, or he directed Conan, uh, but he wrote Apocalypse Now, he was the one who kind of developed that speech and added a lot of it. And the final draft of it, the final draft of it was really a lot of it was Robert Shaw combining the two different writers' versions of it. And uh, I think what makes it so good is that in the book, you never know why Quinn hates sharks. You, you just take it on faith. Well, the book, he's just, he's just kind of a bastard, uh, basically. Or at least they give him some 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 backstory in 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 the movie and i you mentioned jaws 2 actually we're talking to pat jankowitz is the author of uh, a jaws companion you mentioned jaws 2 roy scheider must have known i, I mean he, when he looked at the script he, he must have had some sort of small voice inside that went this is crap you shouldn't make this why if you're roy scheider you're coming off making jaws one of the greatest movies of all time was it just the money why would you ever make that sequel if you were him do you think well, it actually, the reason Roy wound up in Jaws 2 is, is kind of horrific. He was the only one who was obligated to a sequel. Richard Dreyfuss originally died in the script for Jaws. They were going to kill him off, and then they chose halfway through to let him live. The only reason his character is killed in the book is he was sleeping with uh, Brody's wife in the, in the novel. So the shark had to kill him because he was he was uh, he was misbehaving with his friend. Spielberg threw that out, and about halfway through the movie, they decided they could let Roy Sh- uh, they could let uh, Hooper live. But in the in the uh, in the book in the book, Hooper dies and uh, Quint dies. So neither one of those guys was ever signed or set for a sequel. So when they let Richard Dreyfuss's character live. Nobody had ever amended it to make sure he could, had to appear in Jaws 2. I just love the idea of Roy Scheider just getting the script in the mail and his agent going, Roy, what can I do? I tried to get you out of it, but you've got no choice. And just looking at this, this, this horrible climax of the film where he's got to trick a rubber shark into biting a giant power line somewhere. And <laughs> yeah. He must have just started drinking. Uh, 
you, you wrote this book, A Jaws Companion. You talk about some things that are not just Jaws films. You talk about some of the knockoffs and the, you know, the, 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 the things that were sort of ripoffs of that. The, the ones that come to mind for me, I mean, just without even, this is what a nerd I am, just without even looking at the book, I immediately think of Tentacles, which is about a killer octopus. Right. Uh, I think of Orca, uh, starring Bo Derek and I think John, what's his name? Uh, Dumbledore, the guy who played the uh, uh, Richard Harris or somebody. Richard Harris, very good. Richard Harris, who played Dumbledore, is in Orca, the Killer Whale, which is a truly. And all I remember about that is the, the whale biting off Bo Derek's leg and swimming away with it for some reason. Uh, and then Piranha. And I always heard that Piranha was only released because Spielberg himself said that it was that they were allowed to do it because otherwise they were going to get sued. Piranha was a Roger Corman movie, and Roger Corman was enjoying that when it was making, when Piranha started making money, Universal was going to sue Piranha because it opened the same summer as Jaws 2, and it's a much better Jaws 2, uh, Jaws ripoff than Jaws 2 is. What happened is Spielberg saw Piranha, thought it was very funny, and told Universal to leave them alone, you know? So Joe Dante, ironically, who directed Piranha, was later hired by Spielberg to uh, co-direct Twilight's on the movie and Gremlins. That's awesome. I, I have to say that I, I saw Piranha, I think, I don't know, about six or eight months ago, and it's, I mean, in its own sort of horrible way, it is It is still quite something. Uh, Pat Jankowitz, the author of A Jaws Companion, and the final question is because, you know, as just like a a, a, a pasting a nerdy, horny teenage boy, my friends and I, you know, we would just sit and we would watch Jaws, and one of the things we would watch at the beginning is when uh, the girl Chrissy is running down the beach to get in the ocean, and we used to have all of these arguments the way that only idiot teenage boys can about whether there's nudity in the beginning of that, because it's a PG movie, but you look at it now and it's pretty pretty violent. I mean, the guys getting their legs, you know, bit off by the shark and you know whatever. And there's the the, the kid Alex Kinder who gets you know he gets bitten in half right in the middle of the water. But we always talked about that girl in the beginning and whether there is nudity. And I got to say, you're probably the only man alive who can really answer this because you've seen the movie. You've probably seen Jaws more than anybody but Spielberg. Uh, what, what do you think? Is can you see something? You can see some of the uh, well, what happened. One of the, the funnier stories that is told in the book is when they originally printed up the scenes of Chrissy in the water, they printed them up too bright, so she was completely uh. naked. It almost looked like a porn film with the camera coming up underneath her. So yes, she is really naked, and and uh, and yeah, you can see a bit, as a former horny teenage boy, you can see a bit of the outline in the film. <laughs> And uh, she's she is completely naked. When she's in the water, they put her in uh, um, like the Peter Pan shorts, so she would oh, like fly in the water, right? You know, for when the shark attacks her. But yes, yeah, she is completely naked, right, so. and, and uh, that was some cause for concern because, of course, as you said, a PG rating. Jaws actually increased the amount of violence that was allowed in PG movies because they have a lot of violence directed at children. You know, you have the, as you mentioned, the Kittner boy. There was a, they had to reshoot the scene with the guy in the estuary, the guy in the rowboat getting it, because he originally grabs Chief Brody's son. So they had a lot of violence that children were in the scenes of, and MPA finally said oh, no. You know, they they objected strongly to the uh, the guy in the rowboat's original attack because the little boy was involved with it, and they'd already had the Kittner scene, and as you mentioned, they had Chrissy, and they had the scene with the severed head. Well, there's really, I have to say, there's there's really no better way to get teenage boys to love a movie than to fill it with violence and nudity. So we have we have Jaws to thank for that as well. It's I'm looking forward to reading the book. I'm actually going to pick up a copy of it uh, probably this week because I'm such a freak for the movie Jaws and all of its sequels. Pat Jankowitz, the the book is just. 
just when you thought it was safe, a Jaws companion. Uh, best of continued success with the writing, my friend. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Pat uh, Jankowitz, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there you go. That's... Uh... I'd say by any by any standard that has to count as one of the shiniest interviews that we have uh, we've done. That was Thank kind you. of amazing. There you go. Coming up uh, next, we'll talk to Kelly Clark from Alamut Week Food Porn with Kelly Clark coming up next hour as well. Plus, mystery guest at seven twenty. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock One Hundred One KUFO. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. Coming up at 7.20 this hour. That is uh, about 15 minutes from now. We have a mystery guest. And Sarah was just asking me if I was nervous about the mystery guest. And I have to be honest, I, I guess I could say yes to like play up the drama of it. But it's not even it's not even that I'm not nervous. It's that I'm a total I am a, I am a I am an emotional void in that way because I don't know any, by definition because I don't know who the guest is. I have no basis upon which to either be confident or nervous. It is just it's sort of a black hole of uh, it's a black hole of sensation there. Okay. I mean, if you told me it was going to be somebody really impressive, like if you said you get like at seven twenty, you're going to be talking to Robert Plant, then I guess I would probably freak out a little bit. Or if you said, hey, you're going to be talking to a guy who collects potato chips that look like presidents. Then I go like, well, no, I don't care about that. But this, I have no... Impressiveness is all in the eye of the beholder. I mean, I, I might think this guy is impressive. You might not. Or maybe um, it's a woman. It's or a maybe, point. maybe it's one of your heroes. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it, and the segment ends up usually, you know, it ends up being entertaining one way or the other. I'm just saying uh, on a personal level, I have... I mean, I might be nervous once I open the piece of paper. You know what I got nervous for real quick is Sean Cassidy. Uh, it, when you handed me the piece of paper and I opened it and said Sean Cassidy, I actually got nervous because Sean Cassidy's a pretty... He's a pretty happening cat, as they used to say. Uh, and, you know, and that's, you know, he's a big part of the American popular culture experience and so forth. All right. Uh, coming up later on this hour, we'll have Food Porn with Kelly Clark, who uh, now joins us from the Willamette Week. Hello, Kelly Clark. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? I am fantabulous. So excited for Tommy. Do you know? Oh, and I, I should ask. Do, I am. I am excited. Do you know who well. the mystery guest is? Have they told you yet? I don't. I think Tommy was so eclipses all mystery guests. Yeah, see, ever. he's like every mystery wrapped into one. <laughs> he's an enigma. <laughs> one right. long-haired bundle. He's a swarthy mystery. He's is a what swarthy he is. mystery. So we'll be talking to to him at eight o'clock <laughs> at uh, seven twenty. Uh, we'll have mystery guest. And then food porn. And what is uh, in the new issue of the Willamette? While oh, we're, man, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. So we scoured uh, the mayor and the city council's expense reports to find out what they spend their money on at their expense reports. Apparently, a lot of Quiznos. There's a big Quiznos habit. And rug hangers. I don't even. I didn't even know what that was before. We got a big feature on the UFC. So in case you want to see who's going to be bloodied and broken on Saturday, we can tell you all about it. So you can, you know, either cheer for them or boo them or all those kind of things you might do. And tonight is the best event ever. It is the first Portland fermentation festival where people who like to ferment things and rot things and make kombucha and make pickles and all sorts of stuff in their house uh, get together and they taste test all the weirdness they make. Don't it's like the best idea ever. Don't even say the word kombucha to me. I, the whole... Can I say the word pickle or kraut? You can say you can pickle. Say pickle. I, but <laughs> she's, she's all better now, but my wife went through a whole kombucha phase where oh, it's like, so I'm gross. glad she's recovered. Vile. It was so revolting. Cause With the, that big, like, like, Mold patty thing. That's on the it's, top. it's like a lily pad so that would be made out mother. of mold. And I, I was mean, told by one of the fermenters this week, don't bite the mother, which I've never had. Why would you want to bite the mother? Always sensible advice. These these people do things like biting mothers. Well, I'm just hippies, gonna have to. Kelly, that's uh, oh, that that's what, what they, they do. 
they're godless, filthy hippies. There, I have yeah. to admit, like, there's some kimchi at my house right now. Uh, well, but see, I'm but one of these people. Am I a hippie? Am I a hippie, Rick? But at least Am that's I? a thing. That's a thing you can buy, like, like you know, some sort of clean version at the store in a jar. <laughs> Kombucha is, by definition, it's just mold you get from some other unemployed slack-ass friend of yours, and you let it sit and rot in the back of your cupboard or my cupboard, as the case may be. Oh. Um, all right. Sounds unhealthy. Uh, and real quickly, before we uh, reveal to the audience the nature of the mystery guest, um, you should give everybody a hint about what your food porn segment is going to be today. My food porn today is about the menthol cigarettes of candy. All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, awesome. so I'm going to leave the room while you guys uh, clue everybody into the mystery guest, and then I will return. All right. Hold on a second. And uh, stepping out of the studio right now. We'll be seeing you. <clears throat> okay. We're going to be talking to a kid. From the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. He's 14 years old. Yes. <laughs> and he is a jackass. And his, yes. <laughs> and his name, he's one of those little kids that think he's a giant star. His name's Jake T. Austin. Yes, and he has lots of pictures of himself like in sunglasses and like uh, doing all kinds of funny accents and stuff. And he's like in the midst of puberty and insane. And it's going to be amazing. What show is he on? The uh, Wizards of Waverly? Oh, yeah, Wizards okay. of Waverly okay. High. Apparently he got a Teen Choice Award, too, and he's very proud of that. He's got YouTube videos talking about it. Yeah. I hate kids like that. I know. So yes. do we. I hate kids. So will he. It's going to be awesome. That sounds like it's going to be a heartwarming interview. Now, <laughs> see, that's what unnerves me. See, I'm not, I'm not freaked out with. She survived kinda, that. Uh, wow! Like when, uh, when Sarah rubs her hands together with sort of maniacal glee, or when Greg arches a sinister eyebrow at me. Uh, you know what I love about Greg Nibbler is that he's so much more evil than he lets mm-hmm. on. But, but see, that stuff doesn't even really unnerve <laughs> me. It's when I come in and, and Tim says, "Well, that should be a compelling segment." Like that's when my blood runs cold. There's just no getting around it. Well, I think people might wipe away a tear or two. Those people include me. Hmm. Straight ahead, we'll have a mystery guest coming up at 720, followed by Food Porn with Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Stay there. Rick Emerson Show continues next, live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in low definition. Are you just going to let the bleed out? The Rick Emerson Creeps Show me out every time I... This is Rock 101 KUFO. I'm officially requesting that we remove that one and just play the feces one twice as much. That one freaks me out. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, we'll have food porn with Kelly Clark coming up at 8 o'clock. Tommy Wiseau, uh, writer, director, star, producer of The Room. Best day ever. All right. Uh, so now we have mystery guest. And so if you have not heard this before, uh, I'll get about 10 seconds warning about who the guest is. Uh, I won't have any explanation. And then I have to conduct a plausible three-minute interview with said guest. Am I opening the piece of yes, paper open now? it now. Jake T. Austin. There you go. Who is that, Sarah? Guess we'll find out. Damn you! I was hoping to <laughs> fool you. Jake T. Austin. All right. Are we prepared for today's installment of Mystery Guest? We are. All right. And so anyway, uh, then the doctor said, well, then where's my stethoscope? All right. <laughs> it's uh, Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Mr. Jake T. Austin. Uh, hello, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm uh, fantastic. It's uh, it's a glorious Thursday here in uh, here in Portland. Let me start right out of the gate, uh, Mr. Austin, by asking you, uh, what is the uh, you know what is the thing that you find you end up talking about most frequently? What is the what's the question you feel like you have to answer uh, most often in your life? Um, if you were a wizard, what spell would you cast? If I'm sorry. If you were a wizard, what spell would you cast? And what is the question uh, like five thousand times? And what is the uh, what is the answer to that? <laughs> um, I would uh, probably like choose being invisible or, or you know 
um, something where no, you know, shrink down really small or or like pause time or something where I could pull a prank. Some sort of a uh, like a reduction spell, sort of a uh, like a cloak of minimization. Exactly. Yes, excellent. Uh, so, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you? Uh, how did it all begin uh, for you? Where are you? Where are you from? I'm from New York, and I, uh, you know, I'm still with an agency that I found out there when I was around uh, eight or nine, and and I've just been going on auditions, and uh, now I'm with folks from LA too. So. And so, do you have a? Uh, do you have a? Well, you know, as we're kind of getting into this, do you have a website or something people can go to if they want to? Uh, they want to know more uh, more about you. Yeah, well, I'm doing a lot of stuff online. I have Say Now. Uh, I'm doing Twitter. And I have a new YouTube channel with my buddy Christian, who we're making a, a web series called Tales of Sebastian. So we're, we're, doing, we're doing some cool stuff. Excellent. So when you uh, Twitter now, are you one of those people that feels like you have to Twitter a lot about what kind of bread you just bought at the store or the fact that, like, you're trying on a new pair of shoes? Or do you, uh, do you save your Twitter updates? I mean, do you save those for something really momentous? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do something ridiculous. You know, if I have something coming out or a product I want people to check out or a video, I'll just you know, I'll just wait for that and I'll try to respond to some fans as well. So, you know, in terms of your projects, what do you find gets the most response? Uh, what do you find that you know that people really uh, want to talk to you about the most? When they're not asking about spell casting, of course. What's the pro- the project that you feel gets the most uh, sort of traction with people? And then a, a show called, uh, then a movie called Hotel for Dogs. Those are always the questions. Both are like working with Selena Gomez and what's like working with dogs. You know, Hotel for Dogs, actually, you know, and here's the interesting thing about that ad campaign is I noticed they started that in Times Square. There's a huge billboard uh, for that looming right over Times Square, right next to the M&M store there. And, you know, that's got to be an interesting thing where you don't, uh, you know, you probably, growing up, you don't necessarily anticipate that, the, you know, the project is going to have such massive exposure and publicity. Was that uh, was it a gradual uh, thing for you, or was that, uh, you know, would you call yourself an overnight, uh, you know, success in that way. I don't. I don't think I'm. I mean, I'm like a, a Corey Feldman or, or like a River Phoenix type guy where I'm, you know, like huge overnight. I think, um, you know, I'd like to continue acting and, and not become too famous at the same time. You know, just trying to be able to do the projects that I like and um, enjoy. You know. And do you find, let me let me ask you, I mean, do you find that you get a lot of people who weigh in and want to give you advice on things? And one of those things where you get the, you know, every everybody you meet's got a great idea about what you ought to do next or what you ought to do with your money or something. Is that the, you, know, you find that people kind of come out of the woodwork? Um, not really financially because I have, you know, I have people about that, you know, financially that help me out. Um, but, you know, fans are always learning uh, wanting to know what you're going to do next. And, you know, whatever you do has to top what you've just done. Excellent. Well, I wish you all the best of continued success in all things, my friend. Thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie. Uh, of course, that debuts Friday, August 28th. That is this coming Friday, 8 o'clock Eastern and uh, 5 o'clock uh, Pacific time on the Disney Channel. Jake T. Austin. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. You have a good day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's Jake T. Austin. All right, there you go. That's uh, if uh, Greg, if you want to pick up uh, Mr. Jake T. Austin. All right, there you go.
Let's hear it for me and how flawlessly I executed that. Was that was not flawless. You were flustered. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think I, uh, I think I performed that smoothly and with my usual aplomb. Can, can uh, we get credit though for that being awesome? No, yeah, that was great. That was Actually, amazing. But I don't know if it was just me. I couldn't understand him though. The, uh, it was like he was kind of <laughs> eating the phone like this. He was, and I said, like when I said the, I, like what? Is there a website people should go to? And he goes, Yeah, the website is. <laughs> well, now we know more about Craig T. Austin. That's this side of brain almost Craig. pump out of your head when he said spell casting. Craig T. Austin. <laughs> wow. I saw your eyes just keep like, when you were like, what kind of spell would you, you cast? Know why? You know like, WTF. Here's why. Because I, my first thought was I, because I got an email about uh-huh. this last week. There is a guy who is pushing a book right now. And it is about, um, it, it, it's a thing about Harry Potter, and it's a, it's a everything you wanted to know about Harry Potter, but we're afraid to ask on him. It's like, you know, the ultimate encyclopedia of all things Potter-esque. And so as soon as he goes, right, I can't ask what kind of spell I would cast, I immediately thought it was the Harry Potter guy. Yeah, but the Harry Potter guy doesn't have people who takes care of his, yeah, uh, his financial things, so he doesn't get too famous. So it's like as, as the wheels are turning in my head and I'm thinking, all right, it's the guy who wrote the Harry Potter encyclopedia. That's fantastic. You can't you can't get into these steel traps, Rick. You can, you think you can figure it out. You never will. And then he immediately follows it up with, Sarah I mean, will I, end you. I'm in hotel for dogs. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, clearly it's not the guy who wrote the Harry Potter encyclopedia. So. Awesome. All right, there you go. Jake uh, it's D. Austin. Impressive pulling out the whole Times Square reference. Way to go. Hey, you know, see, I'll give you that. I'll you know what? And that, give you that. That's what I'm saying. Now, Jake T. Austin, that guy that guy absolutely thinks that I, I knew what I was talking about there. I'm calling him Mr. <laughs> like, I want to welcome Mr. Jake yeah, T. Austin. He's, you know uh, what? he's 14. Yeah. Hey, he's more successful than I am. <laughs> Nobody's given me a billboard in Times Square. <laughs> Kelly Clark, food porn. Are you uh, prepared to bring the people your particular brand of food based genius oh, uh, sure this am. week? All right, ladies and gentlemen, without. Uh, uh, further ado, we begin this week's installment of Food Porn with Kelly Clark. My friends, everyone these days seems to be obsessed with single-origin chocolates. Fancy chocolates. Chocolates that have rough beans in them and have special doodahs and, and all sorts of stuff. But for my trashy little heart, nothing does me better than Junior Mints. Because you've got kind of a waxy, not chocolatey tasting at all outer shell that you can just slightly break through and have a minty ooze in your mouth and it's just the most fabulous thing ever. And really, as I said before, it's the menthol cigarettes of candy. Now you eat Junior Mints when you're not in a movie theater. Oh yes I do. Which and is and odd. look at this. Oh so do you guys this morning. Yay! Yay. Fantastic. <laughs> I like them because they're either melted or break your teeth. Okay, I also love them because just like Oreos, there's you. many ways Thank to you. eat them. You know, you can do the thing where you nibble on the end and then suck out the mint. Or you can open them and crack them open. I like biting them in half and eating each half. Yeah, exactly. Or you can just make little saucers out of them. And also, they are excellent with buttered popcorn. Where do you fall on the big junior mint peppermint patty? Uh, you know, the York peppermint patty uh, Do you question. even have to ask? I, you know, I don't know the answer to these things. It's all... No, 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 no. Uh, it's all about the junior mints. It's about, like, it has this weird, creepy... It has the same pop crunch that caviar that caviar has in your mouth when you when you bite it. And really, I mean... That's why you're awesome. Yeah, there you go. I have to say that you may be the first person, although I guess... Several, I mean, do you actually eat Junior Mints when you're... I think that they were a movie food only, though. That's oh, why absolutely those... not. No, I usually no. just eat them in theaters. You can eat them anytime. It's like a yeah. jujube or something. I mean, like, you no, don't no, really no, see no. people going down the street, to, you know, like a fistful of Mike and Ikes or some such. They're, they're a step above Red Vines. This Sunday, when you watch True Blood, I want you to sit down. I want you to pop yourself a, a, a bag of popcorn and then just watch the ma- magic happen. Your entire 
entire, you know, vibe will change because you're eating the cold, icy mint and the weird, waxy chocolate. I mean, it's not chocolate. It's some cocoa product. It's a chocolate-like substance. It's a chocolate-like substance, kind of like Magic Shell, but it it, it works. Oh, man. It's gross and awesome. See, now you you have me a Magic Shell. Oh, I I mean, Magic Shell, is that's the way to get me to eat anything is to compare it to the magical ice cream topping. It hardens into like a sort of formica-like surface over your treat. It's so great. Anything that you have to smash with a, a, you know, like with a spoon to just eat it, or it will it will actually sort of harm your mouth. It's just a great thing. Awesome. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Coming up next, the news with Tim Riley at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Tommy Wiseau, the man behind The Room, and uh, so forth. And at some point before the end of this hour, before the end of this hour, a pair of passes for you to see Inglorious Bastards. You win the soundtrack uh, to that movie as well, so be listening. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay right there. This is the Rick Emerson Show. My humor comes from watching my parents have sex, smoke weed, my mom being naked. On Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show. You're a piece of crap. I'm going to use you as a footstool while I read a book. On Rock 101 KUFO. It's Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Tommy Wiseau. And I. Oh this, my God. This happens to me sometimes. I can't, I can't remember if this was a discussion we had on the air with Kelly or off the air. But she said that. Because I think he did an interview with the Willamette Week recently. Oh, it was off the air, yeah. And she said that the interview that he did with the Willamette Week was actually the best thing she'd ever seen in her life. So No, they scrapped. She said that they had the entire paper. Like they had this huge article they've been working on for weeks. And uh, one of uh, the writers, the freelancers, had an opportunity to interview Tommy Wiseau. And they scrapped. Everything that they had had written uh, just to have the Tommy Wiseau interview. Awesome. And so his movie, uh, The Room, is going to be at Cinema... Let's let's stop for a moment. We keep saying it's going to be at Cinema 21 tomorrow. I'm not telling you to go. I'm not telling you not to go. I am simply saying this. Please don't uh, take the fact that we keep mentioning that as some sort of indication that the movie is in any way good. It it really... Do we have any of those uh, sound bites? Yes. So this is coming up. We'll uh, go to the news desk in a moment. I want to tell you a little bit about this guy we're going to be talking to at 8. So it's sort of a legendarily bad film. The... I do. Like it played in the East Village. It's sold out all over the UK. Like they have huge screenings of it in London. And if you go back and you watch Arrested Development, apparently there's a bunch of uh, like when they do the chicken, the chicken cacao thing. There's a lot of Arrested Development from... references that are sort of they're in jokes that relate to the film. And I, what had originally happened is the guy had made this movie. Uh, this guy Tommy was made this movie, The Room, and it, it, which is just you know it's just it's it's just awful. It's like something that you would have seen on Cinemax in about 1987 at like three in the morning or so. But he had the money to kind of have it shown in a theater. He bought a billboard advertising $6 it. Six million dollars out of his own pocket. Six six million dollars that he spent advertising this film. I mean, which is just like I mean, it's just like fingernail clippings of a, of a real movie. Uh, David Cross from Arrested Development then took Mitch Hurwitz, who created Arrested Development, to go see it, and they latched onto it, and then it kind of became this cult phenomenon. It was in Entertainment Weekly recently. And, uh, anyway, so it's going to be at Cinema 21. So we're going to talk to the guy about it. I, I, I will say this. I've seen interviews with him recently where he has now, because the movie is so undeniably bad, he's shifted a little bit, and now his take is that it was intentionally... It's a dark comedy. That it's, and that it's meant to be an ironic sort of take on melodrama. Oh, uh, if you read his early okay, interviews... If, you, if I, I read the answers that he wrote back to the questions I read him, there's nothing ironic about that guy. He why, takes it so... I don't know why When we sent him the back. questions for this interview, which we normally don't do, but I mean, it is Tommy Wiseau, why would he write back the answers to you when we're going to be doing the radio interview here in a moment? Does he know that he's going to come on and actually answer those questions again? I believe so. He said he's excited for life radio. 
That's life, L-I-F-E? Yes. That's great. Uh, it is, oh, I'm sorry, not him, his, his assistant. It's like a second mystery guest. And the assistant is just him with another name, right? No, his assistant's name is John Smith, and he's very much real. John Smith. Is that what John Smith told you? It's funny how John Smith... I am Mr. Rousseau's personal assistant. And he keeps like like referring to like the, he'll give me one phone number, but it'll be like if you need to contact us. <laughs> That's great. He is excited to do radio of life uh, at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center, downtown Portland. Seven forty-five. It's going to be partly sunny today. Highs in the low nineties. Showers moving in tomorrow, cooling us off. Well, thousands of Portland-area high school kids will get free rides on TriMet buses and the Max. There'll be no excuse for being late for school. About 13,000 kids will benefit from this $2.5 million program. It's creeping socialism. A remake of the cult classic Red Dawn is set to begin production next month. Oh, come on! Really? Yes, this classic film from the 80s, this time is set in Spokane. You're kidding me. No. You're, you're making that... Well, it is set in Spokane, but... It will not be shot in Spokane. Instead, Pontiac, Michigan will become Spokane. Uh, okay, I can't ever, I got to wrap my brain around this one section at a time. First of all, I should say at this juncture, I don't really remember where the original Red Dawn was. Was it Nebraska or Iowa or some such? There was a thing was where they have hay Arizona, bales, right? Or, it was out in the middle of nowhere. Aren't they hiding under bales of hay at some point in, the, in Red Dawn, though? Yes, and they scream, Wolverines. Wolver, avenge me! But there's that uh, there's that thing where they're in the field, right? And the, and the Ruskies, the godless communists, the Reds are creepy, are walking through the field, and then all the Red Dawn dudes pop up out of the ground like whack-a-moles with machine guns. Is it ever made clear where they got machine guns in Red Dawn, the original? No, it does not. So they're setting it in... Oh, it probably came from F.A., Free America. So they're setting it in Spokane, but... Apparently, the, what, the new enemy takeover will begin in Spokane. But who? But who's the... Uh, Communists and Chinese. Well, they're the same thing, aren't they? I guess they are, Tim. It's gonna so, be the, you, were, you expressed fear of the Chinese a couple of weeks ago. Now it's coming true. Well, that's because they're, they're evil. I mean, it's... <laughs> the, I mean, one need only watch uh, Serenity and Firefly to understand that. Well, we'll see how much people in Spokane like them. So, in the original Red Dawn, it was the Soviet Union, the then USSR, that invaded America. Which, by the way, that came out, I think, the same year as that Chris Christopherson miniseries, America with a K. Oh, yeah. Which is about the same thing, it was like the, uh, the, like the Reds invade. So, but this is the Chinese who invade, and they, they start with Spokane. Yes, once they, once they get, get a foothold in Spokane, they have America. It That's starts in Spokane. First, they came yeah. for the Spokaneites, and I did not stand up because I have my teeth. Did they, did they come through Canada or something? Because Spokane's not even a port city. No, it doesn't say. Who's starring in this alleged remake of Red Dawn? I'm suspicious about this whole It'll enterprise. It'll star Tom Cruise's son, Connor, who will play the son of Spokane's mayor. In other news, Tom Cruise has a son. I thought he just had Shiloh. With whom did he have a son? Sarah? Him and Nicole Kidman had a, a couple adopted kids. Oh, I see. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't do it himself. Didn't do what, Tim? Well, he had to, to mail out for what is required to make so children. So to speak. That totally doesn't look like Katie Holmes' ex-boyfriend. I don't. Uh, I don't think the words "mail" and "out" are ever used with uh, Tom Cruise. All right. Well, in any event, hey. By the way, uh, Let's see what else I can find out about this? Uh, release date September 2010. A group of teenagers that looked to save their town from the invasion of Chinese and Russian soldiers. Their town being Spokane. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you, not like you can't set something in Spokane. I think Vision Quest, uh, the wrestling film with Matthew Modine, was set in Spokane. Or maybe it was just filmed. Benny and June was filmed in Spokane. Mm-hmm. Trying to think if there's anything else. 
That might be. I, they, they were some. There was some second unit stuff they filmed for Twin Peaks in Spokane at some point, but I don't really remember what it would have been. Red Dawn in Spokane. Wow, they're hicks. What do you want? Some of the other stars are Chris Hemsworth, jo- Josh Hutchinson, Isabel Lucas, and Josh Peck. Why these are stars? I don't know how any of these people are. I saw a picture of that Shiloh kid, by the way, him and uh, Katie Cruz's uh, uh, baby, or you know, toddler, whatever, however old she is. That's a weird-looking couple, and just getting weirder by the day. Katie Holmes looks bad. I mean, she's got these, Katie Holmes has got that thing going on there where she looks simultaneously bloated and emaciated, like like all at once. Just a whole lot of weird. Well, uh, people have stopped trying to rescue her. I suppose. Well, when is it? What is the last movie she made? Was it the uh, Was it the first? Uh, was it the first Batman movie? Is that what she was in? Was it I Batman Begins? So. I think she was in the first one. Yeah, it's Batman Begins. Was that the last thing she made? I'm trying to I think don't of, know. She's just so irrelevant to me. Has she point. like filmed anything since that? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's been like six, seven, eight, nine years. No, she's pleased to be a housewife. Well, would you? I mean, look. I mean, you can retire. Bridget Fonda hasn't made a movie in like since 1995, I think. So, I mean, you know, like you can't do that. Well, she was in that movie right when she like a couple years ago when she was like a princess or something. Katie Holmes. Yeah, remember? No. Because we were talking about her, like, right when, like, the whole crazy Scientology stuff was happening. Maybe all I know is that I can't remember the last time I saw Tom Cruise without those weird aviator sunglasses glued to his face. Those have become, like, a... Pr- he looks like one of the aliens in V. Uh, like, that guy that comes off and impregnates what's-her-name and gives her the lizard baby. Whatever. Here's Tim Riley. The white late model Mercedes that belonged to the dead model in the suitcase... Jasmine Fiore has been found in West Hollywood. An anonymous caller tipped off law enforcement that was found in a parking lot off of Santa Monica Boulevard... Her ex-husband, Ryan Jenkins, charged with her murder. How can he be charged with it? After her mutilated body was found stuffed in a suitcase. Jenkins' ex-fiance, Paulina Chamuski, says she is shocked by these allegations. Don't ask me why she I was shocked. with him for two and a half years. Of course, we fought, just like any normal relationship. And there was no signs of violence and, or, or anything that would potentially say, well, at some point, that person might you know, commit a murder. Maybe she was too big to fit in a suitcase. Anyway, a car found... Matches the description of Ryan Jenkins' last ride. This is the uh, PT Cruiser. These are Canadian, let's see, the Canadian news service Cam West has obtained divorce records from Alberta court, which says his former wife Sandra indicated she drove a leased PT Cruiser when they met. Neighbors of uh, Dan Jenkins' home in Calgary said the vehicle had been stored in a parkade, whatever that means, underneath this condominium for an extended period of time, and it was recently moved. Uh, then the Vancouver Sun has found a silver PT Cruiser with Alberta plates in a parking lot that matches in that description. Jenkins' half-sister, Alina, lives in that condo, and she refuses to speak to reporters. What's her name? Alina Jenkins, or whatever. It's yes. like his half-sister. She's hot Alina, in a, yeah, in a really is. trashy kind of way. Look at that. She looks like Jenny Garth uh, mm-hmm. used to look years ago. Sarah, check out this trashy half-sister of the guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She's uh, she does look very, very trashy. She needs to wash her hair. If you uh, yeah, and take off all that black crap around her eyes. See, the, the, this is where you and I part company. She, I, I, know. I she's one of those goth characters. She looks, but but she's sort of goth. She's like a Barbie kind of goth. You know what I mean? Where she's got like the weird bleach blonde straw hair, but then all the the, the raccoon makeup going I'm on. I'm a dirty little girl. That's what she's saying. Is that what she's saying, Tim? Yes. All right. Uh, by the way, the original Red Dawn was apparently set in Colorado, and they got guns from the Reds that they killed earlier, says this uh, text messenger at 52051. Shall we play a couple of these sound bites and then take a break and come back with Tommy Wiseau? Yes! Yes. Right. So at the top of the hour, we're going to talk to Tommy Wiseau. He is the uh, writer, director, producer, and star 
I mean, he's really a modern-day Orson Welles. There's no getting around that. He's the creator of the movie The Room, which has uh, been featured in such magazines as Entertainment Weekly. Uh, of course, it's uh, been talked about the Portland Mercury, the he's Willamette. He's been on Tim and Eric's awesome show. He's been on like all kinds, like all around uh, like television and all kinds of interviews and stuff. Really, he's a, he's a living god. Uh, so his movie's going to be at Cinema 21 tomorrow. Do we have a couple? These are unedited. I mean, they're just, you know, they're this excerpted. Is just, these are yeah, pieces from the movie. So we were talking about how the chicken dance was from uh, Arrested Development. Yes. So this is... Just a chicken. Chip, 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 chip. So that is why in Arrested Development they all do that. What's the matter, Michael? You chicken? Caca, caca. It's, I guess it's and a reference to this. That sounds nothing like a chicken. Do you have some of the like really overwrought acting? Yeah, here's here's Lisa, moments. his girlfriend, uh, screaming to Denny about uh, what kind of drugs he's taking. What kind of drugs do you take? That's awesome. And then here is the best line of the entire movie. This is uh, Johnny talking to his girlfriend Lisa. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. Acting. That, you, you know that what kind of drugs you take that that should be segued with that Saved by the Bell clip. I was just thinking that that it sounds like the I'm Say, so excited I'm so excited I'm so scared yes. uh, deal. And he plays Johnny, right? Yes. Johnny. So let's play that one more time. So this guy that you're going to hear, this is Tom, Tommy Wiseau, who created uh, the whole movie, also plays Johnny, who is this character right here. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. There you go. That's I what I'm talking about. I'm so. Excited. Right, a few minutes away from uh, Tommy Wiseau. More news from Tim Riley uh, on the way as well. It's 503-228-4101. If you are caller 10 right now, you're going to win yourself a pair of passes to see Inglorious Bastards at any Portland Regal Cinema. That's a new Quentin Tarantino film. Pick yourself up the uh, soundtrack as well. If you're caller 10 right now to Rock 101 KUFO. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! All right, are you excited about the uh, room guy? I am vibrating with excitement right now. You're on the edge of your seats? You can hardly I'm wait? I'm nervous. I'm nervous and excited. You're actually nervous? I'm nervous because I want you to be nice to him. Oh, did I say that I wasn't going to be nice to him? No, but you're making me nervous. <laughs> Why do you care if I'm nice to the room guy? Because Not I really that I won't be. I want to meet him when he comes into town. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, are you kidding? Do you suppose there was anything on earth that could keep that guy away from media exposure? You could probably set his mother on fire and he'd still meet you when he came to town. I mean, really, I... Uh, the, the the idea that something is going to keep that guy away from a camera or a microphone is uh, that seems implausible to me. But you know, it is, uh, I'll be nice. I always am. Okay. I was nice to the, the wizarding uh, kid who was in the the, the, the <laughs> oh, ho- but see, I don't give a crap. The dog that. hotel movie. Oh, I see. So Tommy was so close to my heart. <laughs> he's only in that Disney film. This is Tommy Wuso you're talking about. Also, John Smith, his own assistant. All right. Well, in any event. Uh, if you are a listener of the Rick Emerson Show for a long time, you've heard us talk about Visa, which is really just one of the, the greatest things that has ever existed on God's green earth. So if you've been in a store recently, I mean, it's Plant Pantry, 7-Eleven, Fred Meyer. Uh, I was at Zupan's the other day. and saw. In fact, I have right here, ladies and gentlemen, I have a Viso, And it really stands out on the shelf right now because he's uh, transitioned to this fantastic... Can- it, and the design of the Viso has always been... One of its hallmark traits. The first time you saw that Viso bottle, or the first time you see Viso in the can, I mean, it doesn't look like anything else on the shelf. Uh, you see it and it catches your eye immediately. Doesn't taste like anything else uh, you've ever had. You know, the world is full of terrible uh, drinks that call themselves, you know, nutritious or healthy, or they call themselves, uh, you know, energy drinks. And, you know, open it, it tastes like some weird petrochemical mix. Viso is 
utterly different. It's not like anything else you've ever had, and it's fantastic. And now it's got uh, you know an even better fruit juice taste to it. It's got uh, everything you need in terms of your vitamins, everything you need in terms of your minerals. It's made right here in Portland, uh, and it's uh, you know taking the world by storm. It really is. There's no getting around it. Viso is fantastic, and you can find it at any number of stores right here in Portland. You can go to Whole Foods. You find it at Elephant Delicatessen downtown. You try it. Tell me you heard it on the Rick Emerson Show. And if you don't see Viso sold at the store of your choosing, you got to tell me you want them to stock it. Viso now even more of everything good. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is uh, Thursday, August 27th, and good morning to you. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories on your Thursday morning moments before we speak with Tommy Wiseau. Tim? The ocean is cruel. Surfers have rescued a man swept out to sea as he was sitting on the coast and a big wave took him away. We're hearing more and more about this. Portland's car dealers report brisk business thanks to cash for clunkers. And the annual Coast to Coast Relay is planned for this week. There will be 17,000 runners on the road everywhere. But these aren't all the blind guys, right? These are just some well, of them. We don't have 17,000 blind runners in Oregon. You don't know that, Tim. You're just guessing. I know that for a fact. Really? All right. They'll be running with everyone else. You won't be able to tell the difference. Excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to the Rick Emerson Show for any extended time, you've heard us talk uh, over and over again, probably five, six, seven, eight months now, uh, about a movie called The Room. Uh, it's going to be showing tomorrow night at Cinema 21 right here in Portland. You can find out more about it online as well. We'll have that link uh, posted. The Room, of course, the brainchild uh, of one man. Uh, we'd like to welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, the writer, director, producer, and star of the magnum filmic opus The Room, uh, Mr. Tommy Wiseau. Uh, hello, Mr. Wiseau. How are you on this Thursday morning? Hi, just call me Tommy. Uh, nice to be a part of uh, your program. I'm Th- listening. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. When you uh, when you made The Room, uh, were you aware that you were making something that really was going uh, to touch so many people in so many ways? Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess my follow-up question to you would be, it is clearly when you watch the movie, it's a, um, it's a it's a it's a mixture of styles. There's a lot of different influences there. When you are making the room and you're sitting there at the typewriter and you're uh, the lone artist struggling to bring his vision to the world, uh, what were the films that were the uh, inspiration for you, sir? Yeah, that's the wrong question. Uh, I inspire myself, but let me re- uh, awesome. uh, respond to the first question. You see, the the, the room by design is about uh, the uh, relationships. Okay, and yes. um, I'm as a director. Now I'm asking myself a question: What 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 is my job? Is the same like you as a reporter? What is your job? So my my job as a director, the time when I direct. You know, to, is, is, is to provoke the audience positive way. And uh, in the room, if you see the room, that's what you have element of a positive way, even though you may argue back and forth, as you probably know, a lot of people say, oh, this has happened by accident, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we have uh, enough time right now to, to finalize all this stuff. But the bottom line is the, the, the room is what it is. Is relate to real life. That's why people connect to it, and I encourage everyone to see in America the room. I would imagine that you have had uh, 
any number of people who've written to you or talked to you about how the room is, uh, has affected their lives and the, has made an impact on them. I would imagine that's the case. Yeah, that, 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 that's correct, yes. We have thousands of emails. Right now we actually release them in, in UK as well, in Canada. Uh, Portland, we have such a great fans uh, in your area, and I will say thank you for all the fans to support the room because of their support. Actually, we're screening, as you mentioned, at uh, Cinema 21, and that's my understanding they will be screening three times. Do you hear from uh, younger filmmakers who come up to you and they, uh, they view you as an inspiration because you're someone who was able to take his vision and make it reality? What, uh, what advice do you give to, to young filmmakers who look up to you? Uh, by the way, um, Rick, right? Yes, Great yes, question. Sir. Thank uh, you. First of all, I always say... Uh, Think about 20 before you think about 100. So uh, I always say my Q&A in Los Angeles that think about 20, 30, 40, 60, etc. Actually, 20, 40, 60, 80 before you think about 100. And as you know, we, we always think about 100 before we actually complete at 20%. So this advice is very simple. This is applied not just to, to the filmmaker, but basic, you know, accomplish any person in the world. And, and again, that's what the room is, is connecting people. Yeah, I, I got a lot of emails, et cetera, et cetera. I'm thrilled about it. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just... It, you know, room is the room, basically. Uh, also, your audience can go to uh, theroommovie.com. People who do not know about what is the nice. room, uh, what it's about, uh, see the synopsis, uh, read about it, etc., etc. Uh, we're talking to Tommy Wiseau. He's the uh, writer, producer, director, and star of uh, The Room. Have you given any thought to uh, to really taking this story and these characters, which have really touched people in such a deep, deep, deep place, and sequelizing it, making some follow-up stories so we can find out what happens next to the remaining characters? Well, and, uh, the room is the room. A lot of people ask me the similar question. Yes. So the, no, I mean, the room is the room, basically. I like when people, as you know, interact between the screen, think about, it's a very positive thing to actually, it's a new entertainment, if you ask me. I always say you can laugh, you can cry, you can express yourself, but please don't hurt each other. And and that's basically what the room is about. It's, a, it's much different cookie cutter from Hollywood when you, usually see it, but I have respect for all the people in the world, including Portland people. And again, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to actually, we got a lot of emails, and, and I think uh, they know what the room is about. <laughs> um, you know, you talked about being in Hollywood, of course, and you're clearly a man who, uh, you make your own rules in this world. You obviously have forged your, your own path through the filmmaking jungle, uh, Tommy Wu. So where, what, is, uh, what is your story? Where do, you, uh, where do you come from originally? Well, it's again, I don't create the rules. Sometimes I do break the rules, but but my my point is that the you have to have respect whatever you do in America. I'm an American, if you ask me, um, and that's basically what we have here. So so you have to respect for entertainment for for I call big sharks or, or whatever you do. And then you accomplish what you want to accomplish. But I think uh, a lot of filmmakers, um, as you mentioned, we do not have enough freedom, you know, of expression, and, and and that's the biggest problem because you see it's controlled by uh, third party. We can say that. In, in response to the room again, you see, I decided to create the room uh, by design 
the way I feel about it, you see. So what you see it in the room, it's not like people saying, oh, this is accident, et cetera, et cetera. Like I say, we don't have a time right now to finalize, maybe next time. But uh, the, the relationship between people, you know, uh, what is the impact every single day in our life? What is better, two or three? Because I always say two is better than three. Wait a minute. No, I'm confused. I thought it was 20 that we were looking at here. Uh, it was. It was. You said it's better two or three. I wrote down earlier that I should focus on twenty. Now I'm confused. No, the twenty you focus the time when you are thinking about your project. Twenty percent, forty. I'm talking about the script of the room. Uh, what is better, what? two or three? That's related to relationships. It's, I don't it's, know if you rake yourself the room or not, but it's again something like that. You will probably will be shocked. Yes. No. It's a, it's it's. A, I have to ask you. You know, obviously, you're a you're a man who has a, a, a big things not only happening now, but the but planned for the future. Have you given any thought to uh, to who will play you in the movie of your life? have some actual suggestion, but uh, I'm a person that I will not drop the uh, the name. One of the big stars. Yes. I, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I'm open for it. But does we it, have some suggestion from fans of the room, believe it or not. Does it uh, does it rhyme with Ronnie Rep? No, actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. I suspected as much, Tommy was so You can't pull the wool over my eyes, sir. Um, I, we're looking forward to uh, the, the movie playing at Cinema 21 tomorrow. What is the website for the film, sir? Uh, theroommovie.com. T-H-E-Room, R-O-O-M, movie, M-O-V-I-E.com. And we have regular screening, uh, and people can go there and check. Well, excellent. As, uh, as someone who loves movies, sir, we want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us. And uh, best of continued success, Tommy Wiseau. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much. And hello to all the fans in Portland and see their movie. Thank uh, you very there much. There you go. Thank you, Tommy Wiseau, ladies and gentlemen. Greg, you want to speak to uh, wow. Mr. Oh Wiseau? Oh, my God. That was no, the greatest thing Now ever. I'm really motivated to follow my dreams. But no, no, no. But no, only follow. Th- no, three. You're supposed to be three or two. I thought it was 20. I don't know. It's all very confused. I didn't even get to ask him if he was... I had written down, um, would you say your filmmaking style is closer to that of Orson Welles or Ingmar Bergman? And I didn't really get a chance well, to that be the next interview. No, that'll be it. we talk about that next time. I'm saying it right now. You. That's the wrong question. Telling, <laughs> like, like right out of the gate. That is the wrong question. Question is about genius of me, Tommy Wiseau. Oh, You're going to get a call back Jesus. yelling at you. I'm saying it right now. That's a fake accent. I don't think it's fake. I'm telling you, that's, that accent is not real. What There's, country does do his people come from? I, you'll notice that I asked him that, and uh, he's a man of mystery, Tim. He's a man of mystique and intrigue. He's a man of passion. He never talked about where he came from. Yeah. I, was, I was pretty impressed that you actually asked him. Seriously? Because I, I, I might not you get dared, on the guest list. You yeah. dared to ask him. Rick Emerson asked the tough questions of the guy who made The Room. Yes, I'm a regular Sam Donaldson. The uh, it, It's like, as he was speaking, though, I kept... I kept hearing that thing in my head in Boogie Nights where Amber Waves makes that movie about Dirk. Dick Diggler is a man of many interests. Karate, film, he is a man of lust. And I was just picturing Tommy Wiseau like walking along a riverbank with like a sepia tone sort of tinge to the screen. You know what I realized today, Rick? I don't know. Dreams can come true. They, you mean for for him or for us? For, for us. All of us. But only if the dreams are a three or a 20 or something. I didn't understand that part. That is wrong question! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. Straight ahead, we have more news from Jim Riley. Uh, we should mention, by the way, tomorrow our guests will include Aaron Geek in the City Duran, Harry Shearer of Simpsons Spinal Tap fame, and uh, Chloe Kardashian. Straight ahead, it's news with Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. This is the Rick Emerson Show. 
on Rock 101 KUFO. Undercut in pop culture. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Pretty little lady with a pretty pink dog. Every sugar daddy hitting on her all night long. Doesn't care about the money, she could be with anybody. Ain't it funny how the honey wanted you all along? Tim Riley on Rock 101 KUFO. It's a Rick Emerson show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't forget our uh, interview with Tommy Rousseau will be uh, up as a podcast later on today. There'll be exclusive content uh, that you didn't get to hear on the radio. With who? With Tommy Rousseau. Lisa. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Straight ahead, we have uh, more news with Tim Riley. And uh, we have, uh, we. I don't know if we even have, uh, there's just so much going on tomorrow already that uh, we should just take a brief moment to talk about it. So we'll be speaking with Harry Shearer tomorrow because they have got the uh, unwigged DVD out now. So he was doing the unwigged tour that with Michael McKean and Christopher Guest, where they were doing Spinal Tap stuff, and they were doing uh, stuff from um, A Mighty Wind, and you know stuff from uh, even like back to their old comedy group, The Credibility Gap. And they did the tour. They came through here. That's going to be out on DVD. And uh, we talked to Harry Shearer when he came through town to perform live. We're going to have him on the phone as well tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow, Harry Shearer. We're also going to talk to Aaron Geek in the city Durana with the Weekend Geek about what is uh, coming up. And finally, Chloe Kardashian. And so I wanted to just take a moment. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Seriously. <laughs> well, but I was actually thinking, what better way to follow up the Tommy Wiseau room guy than to talking to the woman that Greg just kept describing? The best the, interview ever. The fat Kardashian sister. I just want... Uh, I just want to give him a hug. Hey, I, he's a weird-looking guy. Before we get to the, Kim, the Khloe Kardashian thing, we should mention that uh, this movie, The Room, that uh, you know, we just interviewed uh, Tommy Wiseau, who's the creator of that. You described in the movie you described his ass as looking like skin stretched over a bunch of rocks, which is just the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. But is totally accurate because he's a. There's something odd going on with his skin. It's like it's slowly becoming detached from the rest of his body and sliding off onto the floor. I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, that's just what it looks like. Um, but of course, he casts himself, you know, with all of these like hot kind of, uh, you know, L.A. sort of skeezy girls. No, only the one. Movie. There's only one Lisa for him. But but there, isn't there like another sequence where he's having? See, maybe I'm just remembering something else. Isn't there some sequence where he's humping some girl on a couch? Oh, that's the neighbors or whoever. Yeah, that's that's the best friend. And you know, and who are they? Why are they in the house? They're Lisa's best friends. There's some and sequence where there's like a couple having sex on his couch or whatever, but it's like... feeding each other. But it's never explained why they're there. No, it's not, actually. And then Lisa's mother comes in and wonders why they're actually sitting on the couch eating chocolate. And Greg was just pointing out in the movie The Room that there's, there's another scene where the three guys, the three leads, Tommy Wiseau and like friend number one and friend number two, are standing in like an alleyway somewhere or like a stairwell, all dressed in tuxedos, throwing a football around. Three feet away from each other. Three feet away from each other in a stairwell in like a high-rise building. And then the scene ends without explanation. Was it, Greg, were you noting that, that like, there's no reason for them to be doing that? Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for them to be in the tuxedo. They don't explain that at all. And then just the way that they're playing football. <laughs> obviously, this guy's never touched a football before. It makes no and, sense. Hey, Greg. No. Nice talks. You look great. 
I mean, it's just the, the, the scene begins and ends without any real discernible purpose or cause. It's amazing, yeah. There's, Absolutely nothing. Yeah, out of nowhere. It, it looks like they're like setting up for a wedding or something that does not happen. And they're all in tuxedos. They go to an alley and they play football. And then the next thing, it's just like they're all back to their normal well, clothes. And, the, and then the one guy falls. And then nothing really happens of that. The, I, it makes no sense either. Speaking of nothing happens of that, I, we're back to, I, was, I started talking about Khloe Kardashian, but within four seconds, we were back to the room. I, one final thing. They introduce early on in the, in the movie the fact that the mom gets cancer. I got the results oh, of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> you can tell that she's really sick because of the way she's emoting there. Can we hear that one more time? This is, you can hear the I acting. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. Not only does she have breast cancer, but she compares it uh, to being as terrible as her brother trying to um, take her house. And my brother, who or is a dentist. Trying to sell her house. She's like, oh, I have breast cancer. Clearly invested in this film, which is why I'm reading this line badly off cue cards directly to the left of the camera. They never mention that again, ever, in the film. There's like a whole, I have breast cancer. And then like 88 minutes go by, and you're like, and the mom who's dying does what? And it's like never mentioned. And she's in subsequent scenes where the breast cancer never makes an appearance. So it's like that was filmed for yeah, some Yeah, because she helps break up the fight movie. between Denny and the drug dealer. Yeah. And is it ever explained? Never mind. You know what? I'm going to stop because it, nothing's ever explained. Just one question. Just one question. They never, they never, they, there's something where a guy's in hock up to his eyeballs to drug dealers, like he needs money to pay off drug dealers, but then what that's... What kind of drugs do you take? <laughs> what kind of drugs, Denny? But that is never, like, they never resolve it. It's okay, just but never... you know what? Wait, I, there was, wait, there's one more thing with that, too, because they, the guy has a gun to his head and they walk him out. And then he just never shows up. Oh, it's all taken <laughs> no, care no, no. of. <laughs> but you know why? Spoiler, spoiler. You know why somebody put this together? I think it was, uh, I can't remember who told me, why they have that guy in there. Because that's somebody how unemployed, Johnny, I'm guessing. That's how Johnny gets the gun. Sure. I'm just saying. Well, break your heart if I say that that doesn't really impact my enjoyment of the movie one way or the other. I love that movie. Well, in any event. So, uh, but it is sort of appropriate that tomorrow we're going to be talking to uh, to Chloe Kardashian. Hey, right. Why are we talking to, Yes. Oh, hi, Mark. Thank you. All right, do we know why we're speaking to Chloe Kardashian? What is she pushing? Uh, she is pushing her new show, uh, Chloe and Courtney Take Miami, I believe is what it's called. I'll, I'll double-check the actual name, but it's, they have a new show uh, spinoff of the Kardashians. And is it the correct—I mean, just fill in the blanks for me here, because I, I should know this, but I, I don't. Why—I don't why mean do why— we care? Well, I don't mean why do we care like the way about like most people who are on TV, but I mean literally. Kim Kardashian's hot, and she used to be one of, uh, like Paris Hilton's best friend, and she had that sex tape with that Reggie. Okay, guy. see, yeah. that was well, my see, question: is not like why so does she have a show with such? They're all her but, sisters, and they're mooching off of uh, her. Family. But how did that? How did how did Kim Kardashian come to get a show? Well, is it so because of the sex tape? Yeah, well, basically, yeah. And yeah. she's also Bruce Jenner's uh, stepdaughter. Yeah, Bruce Jenner's stepdaughter, and then her actual father, I think, was one of OJ's lawyers. Yes, you're right. He's the one. He's Mark. Yeah, he's, uh, he's passed away, but yeah. Because um, I don't mean like, you know, sometimes you go like, well, why do they have a show about somebody? But, you know, usually it's somebody who at least like they won a contest or something. Like you understand the spark that made them famous. Kim Kardashian is one of those people that's like, I woke up one day and everybody knew who she was. And I missed whatever the first step of that process. I think it was, was. really she just made a sex tape with like a B-list R&B star and Ray J. I thought Randy's. he was a, a football player. No, it's Ray J. Okay. No, she was dating uh, Reggie Bush after okay. this. But the sex tape was Ray J, which is Brandy's younger brother. Is the Oh, okay. All right. And is, also, the, um, is the sex tape notorious in some way? Is there, yes. Oh, that's yes. right. Uh, does yes. it have a golden glow about it? It does. It has yeah. quite the sheen. Yeah. Does she take a shower afterward? She does. She after the sex? Yeah. Real clean. Because she needs to clean up with the shower. Mm -hmm. All right. Ugh. Maybe I won't ask her sister about that tomorrow. Uh, well, in any event, so her sister has some spin-off show and blah, 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 blah. 
And I have to say that I do. I still. I still think the sister's kind of hot, despite the fact that she's always called the fat one and that she does look to be largely uh, fake. I still think she's kind of sexy. So, uh, but I'm not going to let that throw me. I'll give the hard hitting interview that people expect from Rick Emerson when he's talking to one of the lesser Kardashians. So tomorrow, Chloe Kardashian, Harry Shearer, and uh, Aaron Geek in the city to rent. Uh, coming up uh, straight ahead, we have Tim Riley at the news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. We return momentarily. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. All right here. You stay right there. It's Thursday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show, and if uh, you've been a fan of us for any amount of time, you've been a listener, you've heard us talk about Viso, which is one of the greatest things ever, and I'm holding it right here in my hand. Hold on a second. Let me take a, uh, let me take really a tasty, refreshing swig right now. Ah, there we go. Now I have the energy to continue. If you don't know it, you got to try it, and you will be hooked. And when I say you're going to be hooked, I don't mean like you'll be a fan of it, or you'll enjoy it, or you'll fancy yourself a Viso now and again. I mean, quite honestly, you're going to be hooked. There's just no getting around that. And I mean, I think anybody who... Uh, Anybody who's here in the room with me would agree uh, that it uh, it grabs a hold of you for all the right reasons. Viso is an all-natural vitamin drink. It's made uh, right here in Portland. It's got everything you need for a whole day. Your vitamins, uh, the minerals, potassium, calcium. And now it's even better. Viso in the can has even more fruit juice, and it's made of 99% organically uh, certified ingredients. Uh, it's flavored and sweetened with organic juices uh, and concentrates. If you liked it before, you're going to love it now. It's even better. It's got the same levels of caffeine, though. People have asked me, like, is it still caffeinated? Is it still got your vitamins? It's got everything. It's got the... Uh, you know, your vitamins, it's got minerals, it's got everything you need to get you through the day. Now, some of it has got caffeine and some of it doesn't. So if you're the kind of person you need a little uh, caffeine or perhaps a lot of caffeine to get you through the day, they got the Viso Energy for you. And if you uh, you know want to cut back on your caffeine or maybe you just want something that's refreshing that's not going to get you all uh, cranked up, there's Viso without caffeine as well. You can try it in all kinds of flavors at all kinds of places. Plaid Pantry, 7-Eleven, Fred Meyer, Zoo Pans, New Season, Whole Foods. You can find out more about it and find out more about Viso itself at drinkviso.com. If you've tried it before, you're going to love it even more now, and if you haven't tried it, you must join the rest of us. Drink Viso. Viso, now with even more of everything good. Broadcasting in ADHD. Let's just remember to scream until Daddy stops. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I don't mean that the way it sounds. Sure you do. I do. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning from the KUFO News Center in downtown Portland. 847 now. It's going to be in the 90s today and cooling off with showers tomorrow. Tim Rist said he was sitting on some rocks about 25 feet above the Pacific Surf at Cape Kawanga on the Oregon coast when a huge wave sneaked up on him and swept him out to sea. He struggled in water for 15 minutes until two surfers rescued him. He was treated and released from the hospital. There'll be free coffee at Starbucks this morning till 10.30, all because the Pioneer Courthouse Square is celebrating its 20th anniversary of being at that location. My monkey has two mothers... More and more people are going to be seeing that very soon. Researchers have produced monkeys using two different mothers. Uh, monkey experts hail this breakthrough as an advance that can help women with some inherited diseases to bear healthy children. I was going to ask what the point of that was, but I guess maybe it's like if you uh, if everything on you works, but one, like you got some chromosome or something mm-hmm. that's messed up, then they get to borrow somebody's monkey. You mix and match. Finish your job. That's right. Well, some Texas residents are coming home to scorching homes thanks to thieves that are stealing 
coolant from their air conditioners to get high. Air conditioner repairman Ed Bentley said he's been called up to fix six units in the area and found that coolant valves have been broken, the coolant drained by alleged thieves who use it to get a cheap high. Oops, hang on. A cheap high. A cheap high? A cheap high. A cheap high. It's interesting, cheap high. <laughs> They're putting it in paper bags or balloons, and they breathe the stuff. The best part is that he has that kind of Hank Hill, yeah. like, I don't know what's wrong with people sometimes, sort of a thing. Domingo Gutierrez says she is a victim of air conditioner coolant thieves. It was getting like 90, between 90 and 95 degrees. It was, it was pretty brutal. I have a question. Uh, if you have an air conditioner, and by you I mean me, do you, is there a thing, like, do I have to get the Freon or whatever, like, refilled? You know what I mean? There's I a, don't the, know. The Freon in there, that like, uh, that, that's the, it's the gas or there, whatever, that cools everything, and then the air blows across it. Somebody told me you had to get that, uh, the recharge or refill, but I think that might be outdated advice. I think that might it be a might thing be. you had to do, like, 20 years ago. Because we got this air conditioner uh, in the bedroom that we use, but it's like, I've, I don't, we've had it for many years, and I've never had it, like, serviced or looked at or, you know, whatever. Um and it continues to work, but I live in fear that the next time there's a big heat wave, you know, which is like today, it's just going to go belly up somehow, and then I'm going to be sweltering. Right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. We just received words the Obama administration has scrapped plans to put those missile defense bases in Poland and the Czech Republic that the Bushies wanted to put there. Were we planning on doing that? Yes, we were. All right. Wait, to, to defend us against who? Uh, we're helping them to defend themselves. Uh, and freedom. Yes. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Uh, mourners are gathering in Massachusetts where the Kennedy Memorial of Private Mass is about to get underway there in about 10 minutes at Hyannisport. Then the motorcade uh, goes past the church and several other Kennedy landmarks. And uh, Ted Kennedy will be at the uh, Kennedy Library for a couple of days. Buried Saturday when his body is flown to Arlington National Cemetery. Hopefully that uh, that hurricane doesn't get there and ruin their plans. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. And by the way, somebody uh, sent in an email earlier, This is this is this which is really true. He said, said uh, at my house we have a... Uh, he said, we have a bet slash drinking game going about the first person to write some jackass email that goes around about Ted Kennedy, which I think I mentioned yesterday that I I can just I can sense it in the air that my mother-in-law is getting ready to send something uh, snarky and bitchy to my uh, wife about Ted Kennedy. Just, you can, I mean, you can just sense by the end of the week that Ann Coulter's bony uh, transvestite fingers will have pounded something out about that. Well, you can thank the people in Texas for running things again. Why do they have to do this now? They have the fedora that Jack Ruby wore. Oh, come on. Really? And it's about to go on the auction block in Dallas. That's the city that hated JFK. It was Oswald, uh, who was killed by Ruby only two days after he was arrested for the assassination of JFK. Ruby's hat will be sh- sold by Dallas-based Heritage Auction Galleries. Now, how much? It, the list price is $16.50. That can't be... <laughs> Really? Yes. Assassins of Assassins really aren't going for what they used to. $16? Let me read that again. That seems wrong. The list price is $16.50, but the auction house expects it'll sell for quite a bit more. Is this like a... Maybe they're selling replicas of the actual item. No, this is the hat. It's the hat that Jack Ruby was wearing when he shot Lee Harvey Oswald. That is correct, yes. And they want $16 for it. That is the starting price. That doesn't make any sense, it Tim. Really That's less than a pizza. I, I read it twice. Sixteen dollars and fifty cents. Well, sign me up for, according to this story. Well, Christ, that Gacy painting was going for seven hundred and fifty dollars. So, I mean, I guess uh, really there's a sliding scale for such things. By the way, just as a side note, as a little a bit of morbid humor, you know something I never get tired of. I never get tired of people taking. There's that famous photograph of Lee Harvey Oswald, like right as he's shot, where he's kind of going like, oh, you know, it's oh, kind he, of a when he does the ooh. Yeah, it's ooh. It, that's exactly what it is. It's the uh, it's um. 
It's uh, it's like the ow face, like the androidized clay thing. Mm-hmm. People taking that and photoshopping it into various situations. Somebody sent me one the other day where it's like his Facebook photo is, it's that photograph of Lee Harvey Oswald, but then he's dressed like in the in the Elvis gold lame suit with a microphone in front of him. Which is the sort of thing that you're not supposed to laugh at, but you do, and then you realize you're a bad person, and then you just quit caring about it. And uh, and you realize that, that, you know, the bad person ship has sailed. Somebody says, Rick, have you taken the what kind of girl are you quiz on Facebook? No, no, I have not. And then they've put this link to, apparently, I don't, apparently there is no what kind of guy are you quiz on Facebook. So somebody oh, said, I need to, well, you should take the girl one, and I'll take the guy one. Somebody sent me a link to this. They said, uh, this, this guy says, I'm apparently a slut. So some guy took, he, he said that. Guy says, have you taken the quiz on Facebook? What kind of girl are you? I'm apparently a slut. Why is there no what kind of guy are you? Well, because clearly if you're on Facebook, you're a guy. Somebody just sent me a Facebook, uh, inv- like a friend invitation. And I was looking at it right here. Let's see if I can find it. Facebook friend invitation. Uh, let's see here. Interests. Role-playing role games. Serial killers. Dexter. Looking for women. So there you go. Not going to happen, <laughs> That's your sir. Prime That's why there's no, like, what kind of guy are you quiz on Facebook? Well, I'll bookmark this. What kind of girl? Okay, I want to know if you're a slut. Uh, well, the answer to that is uh, clearly yes. Mm-hmm. It's only if Kim, uh, if uh, Khloe Kardashian is involved, which she will be tomorrow. Khloe Kardashian, Aaron Duran, and Harry Shearer will be joining us. Let's do uh, one more here, and then we'll wrap it up. A Bismarck man was arrested for theft after employees of a grocery store spotted him consuming a variety of items without paying for them. Bismarck Police Lieutenant Randy Ziegler said the man had uh, a heavy spread, which included cake, cookies, avocados, pistachios, and plums on a table in the deli area of Cashwise Food. He had a heavy spread, which included kink? Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, cake. 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 All right, I'm sorry. Did I say kink? I don't think so. All right. A heavy spread, meaning, you know, like there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was, you know, down, you know, th- there in that area. Right. In, in that area. What do you mean he had a heavy spread? What are you what talking does a heavy about? Spread me. I don't even really know what it sounds well, I'm, like. I'm quoting the Bismarck Tribune. It sounds like something that would be in your uh, flappy swimsuit area. I suppose so. All right, I don't but really know. Avocado pits and pistachio shells ended up on the floor and a connecting table in the store. Wait, was it was this like in the bulk food yes. aisle? Yes. Oh, you can't do that. You can't eat anything. You know, Lara does that. I was with her the other day, and she bought. We were somewhere, and it was at some place relatively nice. It was like at a Whole Foods or something. Uh, you know, wasn't it like some convenience store where there's bars on the windows? She buys herself a bottle of water, and we're buying some other things, like some aspirin or whatever. She buys a bottle of water, and then she opens it and begins drinking it. And I immediately just, I, I, I was like, you can't buy that. She's like, well, you know, buy, you know, but drink it first. And she's like, well, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm like, you can't, it doesn't matter if you're going to pay for it or not. Like, you can't begin eating something in the store without having paid for it. It's oh, just I do that whenever I'm like really, So really trashy. Thirsty. That's it's the tot- trashiest thing. It's totally trashy, but sometimes I'm too thirsty. I can't, I can't stand that it. That was her thing. She's like, I'm really thirsty. I've been out in the sun all day and I'm going to pay for it. And I was like, and I told him like, I have to walk like a few steps ahead of you. You can't, I can't be seen with somebody in the store because I, I was at, and then we they have to wrap this up in a second. Yes. I was at Safeway the other day, uh, and it was some uh, family and it's like, it's like grubby dad, grubby uh, wife, and then like dirty diapered kid with like gum on their face. And they're there in the cracker aisle, which is where I am, of course, because that's where they sell the spray cheese. In the cracker aisle, and they just start digging their dirty, filthy hands into a box of wheat thins, like right off the shelf. And they both are shoving wheat thins into their mouth, and they both have that sort of like, you know, that kind of fat person. They both have the James Gum voice going on because they've jammed their heads full of wheat thins as they're wondering like what aisle they can find the snack whales, you know, cookies on. I just I can't do that. All right, we have to end this. Uh, and so forth. Don't forget this coming Friday, which is tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, at 9 a.m. 
The uh, KUFO half-off sale continues with gift certificates to the Thirsty Lion Pub. European flavor right in downtown Portland, serving lunch, dinner, and beverages seven days a week. American favorites, British fare as well, plus uh, domestic and import drafts and sports on the 50-inch uh, plasma screen. You'll be able to get that uh, certificate for half-off tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. at KUFO.com. But right now, if you're caller 10 at 503-228-4101, you'll be able to pick one of those up before you can buy it. 503-228-4101. We want to thank uh, our guest, CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini, author of uh, The Jaws Companion, Pat Jankowitz, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, the mystery guest, uh, Jake Austin, as well as uh, Tommy Mousseau, creator of The Room. Join us tomorrow when our guests include Chloe Kardashian, Aaron Duran, and Harry Shearer. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Still in for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, Alpha Broadcasting Marketing Guru, Susan Tarnoff with me, Reynolds. I'm Rick Emerson. I'll see you all tomorrow. Bye now. You are telling me apart, Lisa! Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.